I, I personally think the days of him being an RB1, even a top 12 running back, are over. Um, I, I just I just find it hard to, to – I'm going to find it hard to believe that a team will get him and, and give him the same uses that he got when he was, you know, a top five running back. And Josh Jacobs uh, led the NFL in rushing last season. Like so much of their scouting is their well, technique. I mean – I bet the Bengals would argue with that. Well, I guess I guess so. But what, what, what offensive linemen are they really drafting, you know, spending like top, top draft picks on? Like usually how many busts? first or second offensive lineman are you finding in the in the nfl like very few very few they're they're easier to scout we're back for another week of boomer bust and we are going to start off talking about bounce back candidates and then we are going to talk a little bit about the super bowl so bryce we're going to start off here talking about kyle pitts yeah, I mean, Kyle Pitts has been arguably, when you say like arguably, like one of the most disappointing fantasy players since he came out of the came out of the for draft. Me. I mean, his rookie his rookie year wasn't that disappointing, right? Because it's like, oh, he put up like a thousand yards for a rookie, and you're like, okay, that's that's cool. Even though I feel like people set the bar so high for him that that was still kind of disappointing. But yeah, it was a decent starting line, and then ever since then, Arthur, in my opinion, Arthur Smith, and then the quarterback play is just demolished his career so he seems like a pretty obvious bounce back candidate I imagine with the new head coach with the new head coach there and the offensive coordinator that's also like had his say um with the with the Rams um previously that they'll get that offense running pretty pretty smoothly I mean I feel like they had a I mean it's hard to say less talented but a, a similarly talented you know um position group when it comes to wide receivers and running back um Running backs as a whole, uh, going from the Rams to the Falcons, they could they could get that team rolling. But the most important thing is quarterback play. Um, so it's going to be interesting to see what the Falcons do this offseason when it comes to that position, because it's going to be a huge impact on what, what we're going to see, mainly from like guys like Drake London and Kyle Pitts in that passing game. Um, I, I think that that Bijan, you know, gets that Kyron Williams role, which will be nice. But I'm hoping. I think Sully, you're going to agree that Kyle Pitts is the biggest beneficiary for this from this new head coaching staff because I know you were absolutely in love with him. I loved him, but not quite as much as as you did. So, um, what do what do you guys think? Uh, Do you think Kyle Pitts is a is a pretty big bounce back candidate, or do you think maybe he just kind of is not as good as we think he is, or some of us think he is? I think it might be both, Um, but uh, I kind of wear Kyle Pitts as my one hundred and one as a tattoo that I can't quite get rid of. Um, it is what it is. Um, there might be somebody on here that told me I was an idiot then, and maybe he was right. But <laughs> Al Pitt said over a thousand yards as a rookie. Uh, he didn't exactly have lights out quarterback play in that season either, and he had the same head coach, right? So the talent is there. We know that his second season was cut short by injury, and by all accounts, he played with that lingering knee issue all the way through last year as well. So. I have two sort of thoughts on it is Kyle Pitts healthy can be more Kyle Pitts as a rookie. The only thing he didn't do as a rookie is catch a touchdown pass on American soil. He scored once and it was in London. So if he can score five times, six, eight times, you know, the top tight ends are putting up eight to 10 touchdowns, then maybe he's in that top three, four conversation. The other side of my brain thinks, is he sort of Juju Smith-Schuster-esque like Juju was lights out? Looked like he was going to be a big thing, hurt his knee, and now he is what he is. So 
I do think he's a breakout candidate. I think that he is a talented player. I think in the right situation, used more as a big slot receiver versus an inline tight end that Arthur Smith tried to do in year two. We can see that, but I am very cautiously optimistic. We'll put it that way. Yeah, I, I think that it's a little bit of everything, right? And we've given him a lot of leeway um, because of Arthur Smith and us feeling like he wasn't employed in the way that we would like to see him um, on the field. You know, this this guy can do everything. And we were basically treating him as a wide receiver that played tight end when he came out. Um, probably a little bit unfair to the kid. And then we see Dalton Kincaid and Sam Laporta come in this year and, and Musgrave. And we see those rookies doing pretty well. And we're going, well, where the hell is Kyle Pitts at? Yeah. <laughs> this is what we wanted. We've seen it a little bit flash the, the first year, but how many times have we seen guys come in, have success and then just crater almost immediately. Um, so it's hard to tell at this point. Is it injury? Is it all Arthur Smith? Is it a combination of uh, the three with Kyle Pitts maybe just not being as good as we thought he was? Um, it, it's hard to tell, but I feel like we're going to find out in just a few weeks at the beginning of the season whether it was all of that or Kyle Pitts is really going to be a, a tight end that we can count on in, in, in fantasy. Yeah, uh, there's some question marks there for sure. I think the one thing we can all agree on is that the offense is probably going to be more efficient, and he's probably going to end up with the best quarterback that he's ever played with, regardless of who that person is. Another tight end that kind of experienced a little bit of a struggling offense and a little bit of a team regression last season, who I think bounces back, is Dallas Goddard. He is kind of a perennial top Hennish type of tight end, struggled, finished, had a little bit of injury this year as well. But even in the games that he wasn't injured, he was tight end 12 in points per game, which is a little bit below his bar. We saw Jalen Hurts take a step back in terms of passing efficiency. Um, that offense seemed to really miss its offensive coordinator. It was a little bit lost at times. And then we all know how the Eagles kind of tanked out the rest of the season from after, I think it was about week 10 or week 11 on. So my question for you guys is, is Dallas Goddard what we see? Or is Dallas Goddard that guy that we thought is that top column seven tight end? Yeah, I think he's still, I think he's still in that range. I don't think anything is, has changed. Obviously everybody really struggled late in the season. Um, yeah. And with him being banged up, um, makes sense that he had a, had a down year. I, I think he's got as much talent as probably anybody past, you know, maybe number four or five in your tight end rankings. It's just, can that offense get back on track? They're going to be looking at new offensive coordinator again. So is, is that going to come in and get them back to where they were in 2022 rather than what we've seen late in 2023. I, the thing I worried about with any Eagles skill position players was the quarterback in the sense of he's a dual threat quarterback. And when you have as much talent as the Eagles have on offense, when you got Devonte Smith, AJ Brown, Dallas Goddard, the, the thing I worried about for them this year with Jalen Hurts also being a, a rushing touch or rushing quarterback was that you it's going to be hard to find players 
of with that amount of talent and that type of quarterback to have consistent play throughout the entire year. And I think we saw it with every single player. I mean, AJ Brown had a nice stretch of, of really top tier games. Um, and he was definitely the most, most consistent of the three that I just mentioned, but Dallas Goddard and Devonte Smith kind of do what, what I thought they were going to do. And that was just inconsistent performances. And it's not due to their talent whatsoever. It's just due to the, the fact of just how that offense how that offense runs with Jalen Hurts at quarterback. He's not suited to be that guy that drops back and throws for 300 plus yards on a, you know, relatively consistent basis. Like we only maybe get one or two of those a year, you know, with other quarterbacks, we can, you know, like guys like Jared Goff, I feel like if you put him at quarterback for the Eagles, Dallas Goddard, Devonta Smith have significantly better years, but he's still not as valuable as Jalen Hurts as a fantasy, fantasy prospect. And that's just what, it, that's just what it comes with, you know? So um, I worry about that again. Um, and I, I really would like to see Dallas Goddard on a different team just because I think he is so talented that if he was like, if he got like a role, like a Sam Laporta or like a Mark Andrews or a Travis Kelsey, I think he could be every bit as good as them in fantasy production, but just the situation he's in it's it, it's unfortunate for him as a talent, but he's still a top 10 dynasty tight end. Nonetheless, I, I think don't it's know. interesting. I was was just going to say, I I don't even know if that's true because I feel like with Shane Steichen in 2022, we've seen Jalen Hurts do everything you just said that he doesn't really do. So that comes back to the question, like, is it the fact that Steichen wasn't there and that offense wasn't the same as it was the year before and it wasn't ran as well? So I I think I think that is also just a, a, a wrinkle in that whole argument. Um, because when we didn't think Hertz could do all that stuff, he had a season where he did it all and almost won MVP and almost won a freaking Super Bowl. Outplayed Mahomes in the Super Bowl, if we're being honest. Um, so I do think that the the offensive coordinator, that's the big question. If they got that right this offseason, then I think we can see more consistent production from the three main guys in that passing offense. Um, because they're not trying to run Hurts a lot in between the twenties, the right? He's getting the majority of his carries in short to go and not like yeah. designed runs anymore. So um well, while I do agree with a lot of that, I do think there are some other wrinkles where they could well they could get or not, back to what they did. Jalen Hurts only threw for 140 less yards, or I'm sorry, he threw for 140 more yards this year and one more touchdown. Yeah, what he didn't do was run, right? Yeah, so, he didn't run nearly uh, as much. He, he didn't seem healthy to me for the majority of the year from about week six on. I think he banged up his knee and won, and I don't think he was 100%. Not that very many guys are 100% later in the season, but I just think that he just that was the part of his game from the fantasy perspective that was taken away. But even the real NFL perspective, defensive coordinators are pretty smart, and if they know he's not going to take off and run, they're going to defend that team entirely differently. And that's exactly what we saw. And that's what I think the Eagles downfall was towards the last half of the season is they were incredibly one dimensional with a very average run game. Yep. And that was it. Like it was easy to shut them down. And you combine that with their defense kind of falling apart and their secondary being soft. But I think the OC is the key piece. And I don't know if Kellen Moore is the guy I thought he was. Like, I expected him to go to San Diego. San Diego, that was 10 years ago. I expected him to go to Los Angeles. And um, that that Chargers offense just to go crazy, right? Like, we saw what he did in Dallas for all those years with Dak. And I thought, man, he's got Mike Williams. He's got Keenan Allen. He's got Austin Eckler. He's got a great young quarterback. And they kind of fell on their face. So 
Now he transitions over to the Eagles, and he's still got a good young quarterback. He's got two really good wide receivers, and he's got that tight end that can be Dalton Schultz-esque. And I think that's where Dallas Goddard has the opportunity to take a little bit of a step up. His yards per target dropped by over three from one year to the next. I think that's got a lot to do with it. He played less games, or he played more games than the year before and had less catches and targets and yards. So I don't know. I, I think that Dallas Goddard is still one of those guys, but like we see at running back, the influx of youth kind of pushes him down these rankings a little bit, right? Like I'm not going to put him ahead of Kincaid. I'm not going to put him ahead of McBride. I don't know if I'm going to put him ahead of some of the other younger, well, certainly not ahead of Laporta, right? So there's three guys right there. Four, Mark Bowers. Yeah, I, I'm a little bit, again, Alpins, I'm a little hesitant on Brock Bowers. Um, I'm going to let somebody else tattoo Brock Bowers on their body. And no, 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 no. The difference, the difference I know, is, is I we're, not we're not taking Brock, Brock Bowers, Bowers over Jamar over Marvin, Chase. Or Marvin Harrison Jr. <laughs> right, yeah. right. Yeah, not, <laughs> not, yeah. Not, not doing that. That's the difference. That's the difference. But Brock Bowers is a, is a beast. He's a beast. No, no doubt about it. <laughs> That Kyle Pitts thing is just killing me, man. All right, so from one beast to another beast. This one was a little weird when I was putting this list together, and I was wondering if he really qualified to be a bounce back or not. But I think he does, and it's Mark Andrews. And I know he missed a chunk of the season, and he didn't come back until their playoff loss last week. But this is a guy who's been, you know, top four tight end every season, seemed to be the key component of the Ravens' offense. And, that's a team that changed their offensive coordinator, and it seemed to have a positive impact on guys like Lamar Jackson for sure. I think Todd Munkin's offense took a little bit of time for the Ravens to get used to, but then once they did, it kind of started to roll. Unfortunately, that kind of coincided with the loss of Mark Andrews and the elevation and the rise of Isaiah Likely. So do you guys see Mark Andrews bouncing back into top two, three tight end range? Or has Isaiah Likely sort of made this a – Tight end by committee, for lack of a better term. I think that's a that's exactly what I was going to say. I, I don't get me wrong. Mark Andrews is still, I think, a top eight for sure t- uh, dynasty tight end. But I, I worry that Isaiah likely has proven that he deserves to be on the field and he deserves to get targets. Um, he he got a touchdown last week. He he's been really efficient, uh, s- stepping up for Mark Andrews when he's been hurt. And Mark Andrews has been. Uh, this is two years in a row now that he's had some injury, right? Um, so they could, uh, look. yeah, I believe he got injured late last year as well, or, or maybe middle I think of the he season. Did. I, or, I think he yeah, did. I, I, did. I know he did. Cause I had him in a redraft league. I, I remember now. And, um, you know, his usage might go down. It might, he might get used similar to like a Travis Kelsey in the sense of like Travis Kelsey's not on the field as much as you, you thought he was during the regular season. Playoffs is obviously different. But, I mean, when, when Travis Kelsey wanted to break, if it was a run play, he wasn't on the field. And they might start treating Mark Andrews like that and, and get Isaiah Likely out there more. He's a younger guy that's going to be stepping up here soon. Mark Andrews' best years are probably behind him. Um, that's just the sad fact of it. I really like him more in, like, dynasty – or, I'm sorry, more in, like, a redraft setting because I think people will get googly eyes over the Brock Bowers and the and the, obviously they'll they'll still be drafting Travis Kelsey early and, and, and Sam Laporta way early, and I think Mark – Andrews could be really, really good value um, later in the uh, or later in drafts like that. So, um, yeah, I think everything you just said is exactly what's going to happen. Uh, Mark Andrews' value is going down, but obviously, being an injured player last year, he's he's a bounce back candidate. Any guys that played top level for that many years that got injured are, are definite yep. definite bounce back candidates uh, heading into the, the twenty twenty four season. Yeah, I think 
you know, Baltimore will run run two tight ends. They'll get them both involved. Mark Andrews isn't going to be relegated. He's still probably going to be the number one red zone threat for Lamar Jackson. They've got a long connection um, together. So while I do like Isaiah likely, I don't think that he he's more likely to take targets away from the second wide receiver right now as their roster sits than he is Mark Andrews. Fair enough. Um, so that, that, that's my stance on, on them. Obviously I like Isaiah likely a lot. You guys know, I've been a big, uh, fan of his since, since he came in. Um, but I don't, you know, what could happen is they could go out and get like a true number one receiver. Like Zay flowers is good, but maybe they go get that big body, um, receiver. And then maybe that contributes more to a Mark Andrews decline, than just simply Isaiah Likely stepping up while he's out. Yeah, Isaiah Likely does like to call for the ball in triple coverage too, so that's probably a downfall for him. <laughs> Nothing wrong with on the football. <laughs> he raises his hand and there's like four dudes around him. Rick makes me think of, of Andrew's first couple of seasons, and I remember that he was in sort of the same situation, and I can't remember who. might have been Josh Oliver one year, and um, – Who's in Carolina now? They drafted him ahead of Andrews. Uh, Hayden Hurst. Hayden Hurst. So uh, his first two seasons, Andrews' snap percentage was crazy low. It was like 58 to 65, and he was still putting up top 15 to top 8 numbers. So definitely uh, has the ability to sniff out the end zone and, and be relevant in that offense regardless. So I agree. Another guy that I looked at started off great as a rookie, had an even better second year and kind of fell off a little bit again, a little bit banged up, but didn't miss a significant amount of time as we transition to the wide receiver position is probably Bryce's BFF, Jalen Waddle. Mm-hmm. You know, Waddle was uh, wide receiver 13, um, I think in the, as a rookie. And then he jumped into the top 12, had a wide receiver eight season. And then he kind of cratered back into like wide receiver three ranks this season is this just what we expect out of Jalen Waddle in this Mike McDonald offense with Tyreek Hill and that attack on the ground? Or is this an off season for Jalen Waddle where he'll get back to what we would like to think he was? Yeah, I think it's, it's health with him. I think that, you know, part of it is you've got a, a wide receiver on the other side that's going for 2000 yards. Like it's yep. hard to have a big, big year when you have a teammate going for 2000 yards. Um, because even to get 1500, you, you got a 1300 to 1500, you got to have, uh, probably close to 50% of probably closer to 60, 65% of the rest of your team's receiving yards. Um, when you've got Tyree kill on the other side. So that's, that's really, really, really tough. Um, so I don't, I never expect a wide receiver to, to go for, <laughs> 2000 yards. So I would assume that next year Tyreek Hill will be more um, normal, I guess. And there'll be more to go around for Waddle. Yeah, I I agree completely. Waddle hurts, or I'm sorry, Tyreek Hill hurts Waddle big time. I mean, imagine you're known for your, your, your elite speed and you still are not the second fastest wide receiver on your team, probably like the third or fourth fastest player on your team. And you're still like would be faster than probably 30 other teams, best players. 
Um, so that, that definitely hurts Waddle. And we saw it like when Tyree Kill only missed, I think, one or two games. Waddle stepped up and looked really, really good. So that kind of gives you a hint. And one of those teams that he stepped up and was really, really good against was the Jets, who are literally known for how good their secondary is. So that kind of gives you almost like a little like appetizer of what Waddle could be if he was like the alpha wide receiver on that team. And I'm I'm more than confident to, to believe that he could be uh, the best wide receiver on, on most of these teams. He just happens to be Tyreek Hill. Uh, there with him. Um, so once Tyreek Hill starts to decline, which I would imagine is next year, it's going to be really, really hard for him to <laughs> improve on the year he just had, but it wouldn't surprise me nonetheless. Um, but we're going to see an uptick in, in Jalen Waddles in Jalen Waddles production. I really don't expect him to still be, I, I expect him to maybe be a fringe top 10 wide receiver next year, unless something happens to Tyreek Hill. Um, but I really look forward to him being that number one guy when Tyreek Hill either, either retires or or sees that huge decline that like some wide receivers do see at the age of thirty. Because I believe he's twenty nine now or twenty eight, turning twenty nine. He's he's right on the cusp of that, but he definitely doesn't look like he's lost a step yet. So um, I definitely look forward look look to see Jalen Waddle as a, a bounce back candidate in in the roughly top twelve range this year, more of a wide receiver two instead of a wide receiver three. Yeah, I'm with you. He was, he's still wide receiver 22 in points per game. So health plays into that. He, you know, pre-Tyreek Hill, his rookie season, he had 140 targets, right? So like that's mind boggling to have that many targets as for anybody, let alone a rookie. And then 117 in a full season with Tyreek where he was wide receiver eight and then injury kind of kicked him a little bit and he was just over 100, like 108 or 109 targets last season. So He's still relevant in that offense. I think it's still a two-wide receiver offense, and a, and we'll see what they do in the backfield with Raheem Mostert. But A-Chan is definitely going to be back and be relevant, and two is their guy. So, um, you know, two led the league in passing, and I don't think that's going to stop anytime soon because I don't think – I don't buy into this Mike McDonald thinking about giving up play calling because that would be one of the dumbest things I've ever seen. So yeah, we'll see. We'll see. Looks like there's a new play caller in Washington, and it looks like it might be our old friend from Arizona, Cliff Kingsbury. And I find that to be rather fascinating for a few components. So he's going to bring that modified air raid offense that had some flashes of success in Arizona with Kyler to his new team with insert quarterback here. But what he does have is some pretty... Pretty talented wide receivers yeah, on go. that roster. Canada, what are you going to do? Um, one of the guys I think that is going to benefit greatly in that offense, and and it's a guy I've been waiting for for a long time, and it's Terry McLaurin. And so I don't know if Terry McLaurin belongs l- later in this conversation in breakouts or in bounce backs, but, you know, he's been a top 24 wide receiver before, and I think he has the ability to get back to that again. I think inconsistent play calling, inconsistent quarterback play, and some inconsistent play from the wide receiver himself has led to where he is now. There's another guy on that team that I think is in the same boat, but um, Rick, what's your takes on Scary Terry? Is he, is he, does he even belong in this category? I, I think he does. We've we've seen some really good play out of him. I mean, going back to his rookie year when he had a touchdown in what five straight games and. We've seen what he's been able to do, but that quarterback situation in Washington has been a mess since he got into the league. Uh, what I think it would have been his second year, we thought we were going to see him with Alex Smith. Alex Smith breaks his leg, um, and then it's just been it's just been tough for Washington at QB since. Obviously, Howell. I mean, I think what he was 
he was top three or four in passing yards this year just because they they chucked it. Yeah. I know he was leading for a portion of the year. Um, so if they're bringing in Cliff, and if you want to believe everything and you want to read the tea leaves, that probably means they're going to at least attempt to make a, a play to trade up for Caleb Williams. Um, Sounds like it. With Cliff being his uh, his QB coach there at uh, uh, USC this year. And then him being from Washington, um, D.C. And, and wanting to play for them, apparently. Um, you, you don't know. You're going to hear a lot of stuff this offseason. We saw Colin Cowherd have to walk it back this week. Um, after saying that Caleb Williams wouldn't play for the Bears, and then he has to come back and clarify on Chicago radio that, oh, he'll play for him. He just has concerns, um, which, I mean, if you're a quarterback, and you should probably have concerns if it's Chicago because they've never developed a quarterback. So You should have concerns of any team that's drafting number one overall. And, I mean, and, and that's, Yeah, the team stinks. That's right. another point. But again – Again, like we talked about last week, these guys are the guys that are supposed to be able to turn around those situations. So right. um, I could also argue that if he's afraid of that, then he doesn't have the mentality I want of my quarterback anyway. So I would agree. Uh, there's a there, there's a lot of stuff to that. And and uh, but no matter what, if they did get Caleb Williams or they did get Drake May or Jaden Daniels, whichever way that they would go there at the number two, if they don't trade up, um, I think Terry McLaurin's in a better situation than he's been in in the rest of his career. But now we are getting to Terry McLaurin approaching 30. Yep. Basically, if it's not 2024, then it's probably not going to happen. Like, he's probably not going to have his wide receiver one season um, if he doesn't get it in 2024. That's probably just not a not a good sign if he doesn't get it this year. Yeah, it looks like a lot of squandered talent uh, by the commanders. I mean, that organization's super confusing. I mean, Dan Quinn as the head coach hire was super strange, I thought. Um, and then, especially since, you know, I mean, Dallas defense was good all year, but then they did show up in the most important game of the year for them. And Dan Quinn's been okay as a head coach. I mean, I, d- I guess he did make it to the Super Bowl, but then, like, fell off a cliff after that. Um, and then and then their offensive coordinator – was I don't is Cliff Kingsbury an upgrade from Eric Bieniemy? I don't know. I mean, he had Sam Howell leading the league in passing yards. I think that's pretty impressive as an offensive coordinator. I don't think Sam Howell's suited to be a starting quarterback in the league. I I think Bieniemy's success shows with the lack of production that we saw from the Chiefs offense all year, along with. I mean, I wouldn't say the Washington Commanders were good, but I think I, we could say that their offense was better than I thought most people would think they were going to be. Um, Obviously, inconsistent play from Sam Howell made made them to where they're the number two pick still. But nonetheless, he he had them, I thought, looking pretty decent for for what we expected. So I don't know this. I, I see these mock drafts that also got like the the Bears taking Drake May number one. I'm just like, what 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 clickbait are we looking at this offseason where this nonsense is going on? Like, so I, I imagine with Cliff Kingsbury there, they are going to try and okay, here, uh, we're going to offer you such a good package that you're just going to want to stay with Justin Fields. Like, you're not going to really – you're going to take the the best option available to you. Um, But even if not, like, does he take a Jaden Daniels, you know, and try and roll with that Kyler Murray type of offense that he did have with Arizona, Um, a more mobile quarterback? I don't know. 
I, I worry about, or I don't really worry about Scary Terry because I'm re- not really a guy I've been invested in because of the the lack of QB production that he's had his entire career. He's been very boomer bust play, um, pretty much every single year that he he's been in the league, and and I don't think it's his fault. I think that when you don't have any QB talent or you have bottom three your whole career, it definitely, definitely hurts you. Um, and it's unfortunate for him. So hopefully that they do, they're going to have an upgraded quarterback, but even if it's a rookie, it's still a toss up. You don't know. Some of these rookies come into the league with, a, with looking like they're going to be really good and they just don't, they're just not. So um, hopefully that they get a better, they get better QB play, even if it's middle of the pack. Cause I think scary Terry has the talent to make a middle of the pack QB or a middle of the pack QB is enough for him to be able to be a top 12 wide receiver. I really think that Dan Quinn kind of just ended up the head coach in Washington. I think Ben Johnson was definitely the guy that they had circled in that they were flying when they did found you, out that he pulled out, uh, he pulled out of the interview. It? Yeah. From what I've, so what I understand guys is he, or something. Basketball. Basketball yeah. guys. Yeah. Well, they're basketball weird. Guys. What a weird. Yeah. But I think what they're trying to do is just reshape that organization from top to bottom, right? So they went from arguably the worst owner in the history of professional sports to a new ownership group with, um, I can't remember who, is, who the actual principal owner is, but Matt Johnson is part of that ownership group. They, they then went out immediately and hired the GM that they thought was the right guy, and they involved some basketball guys, and there were Rick Spielman and guys like that in that selection process. And then I think they ended up with Dan Quinn. And I think the thing that goes with for Dan Quinn more than anything else is, He's widely known as a players type coach. And I think they're just trying to bring a positive attitude into that organization. And I think Cliff does that as well because he's a charismatic guy. He could do a good interview. And what's the last time he said an interview with Eric Bien? Like, I just don't think he's that kind of guy. That doesn't mean he's not smart, not a good offensive coordinator. He's just not a guy that's going to jump in front of the camera. And that probably hurts his interviews and probably is why he hasn't been a head coach yet. But that's a whole other topic for a whole other show. Uh, I don't know. I just want Washington to be good again because I think it's that's a historical organization that was when I was a kid was, you know, Theismann and Riggins and Monk and guys like that. And they were awesome. And I'd like them to be good again. I do want to just say, if you watched last week's episode, who called that Ben Johnson situation? Yeah, that is true. I'm I'm still surprised by that. We literally sat here and talked about how you cannot <laughs> MVS if he's standing by himself. You said you still might not catch the ball. Then literally the last play of the game, MVS standing by himself and he caught the ball. Uh, good for him. He made a really good catch that game too, like with with tight coverage. So I'll give I just MVS thought it was credit. hilarious that we he's talked always about had it. A- about him being open and not being able to catch the ball. And then literally the play that, that wins the game is him staying yeah. wide open. And I was like, dude, we literally just talked about that today. That's awesome. <laughs> MVS has been a decent, and I emphasize decent, contested catch guy. His biggest problem is when he's wide the hell open and he just goes, I'm wide open and drools down his leg. So anyway. What if we talk about another guy that had a wide open catch that he dropped in a big game last weekend or the weekend before whatever weekend it was. I don't even know what days it is. Stefan Diggs. Yeah. Big that, struggles that, there that down dro- the stretch. Yeah, eh? that was a big drop by a guy that we don't see do that very often. So it was like it was like they switched. Their souls switched. And- like a freaky Friday kind of thing. <laughs> yeah. Right? Yeah, so Diggs ends up as wide receiver nine, which on the surface looks pretty good. 
Uh, wide receiver, 14 points per game. Kind of not what you expect out of Stefan Diggs. Gets even more interesting. He's wide receiver four through the first 10 weeks of the season. They can their OC. They hire Joe Brady. And where is it? Wide receiver 42 the rest of the way. Now, that's a bit odd. And they definitely did highlight a little bit more James Cook and a little bit more Dalton Kincaid in the offense once they changed OC. But Diggs almost seemed to just, for lack of a better term, quit at times. Like his routes were lazy. He's dropping passes. His targets decreased. Like, is he bouncing back from this? Or is he, like, he's not a spring chicken, right? Like, he's got to be close to 30 years old here, if not already. Is he kind of, and I don't want to say done, but is he done as that top five wide receiver guy? Go ahead, Rick. I, I have strong feelings on Stephon Diggs. Uh-oh. Um, yeah, okay. I'll, I'll, I'll try to set this up for you. Um I don't. I honestly don't know. Like the the way this season went for Diggs, it makes no sense, right? Like, how are you that freaking good for the first ten weeks, and then you pull an Eagles and shit the bed for the rest of the season? Because he literally did shit the bed for the rest of the season, and um, and it and it's tough when somebody like that does that because. I'm like, for for example, on two of the teams in my playoffs, I had Stefan Diggs on them. I'm not sitting Stefan Diggs in the playoffs, even with how bad the last seven weeks of the season were, eight weeks of the season were. I'm not, I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna not play him and have him go off for a 25 on my bench, and then me right. say, oh, well, I lost my playoff game because I had Stefan Diggs on my bench. But going in the next year. If, if he doesn't show, then then he's a guy that you just – you got to park on the bench and and hope that you find a diamond in the rough to take his place. Well, I lost with Stephon Diggs in my starting lineup um, on a weekly basis. So did I. Uh, I so you did know, I. I trade, a lot, you know, a lot I trade, of people in, did. In the, in the Grand Prix, I trade for Stephon Diggs and Travis Kelsey. And, of, of course, Travis Kelsey wants to play awesome in the playoffs. That's great. He couldn't do that. He couldn't do that in the fantasy playoffs. Those two, those two alone definitely hurt my soul. Cause I mean, I traded for Diggs right when like he started going off. And he had like three weeks or two or three more weeks of him going off. I'm like, oh my gosh, this guy's winning me games alone. Him and Keenan Allen are doing this. Travis Kelsey had like a 50 point bomb in there too. But but these old I don't under, I didn't understand it either. I don't know if it was the offensive coordinator. I don't know if it was Josh Allen because if you guys remember that playoff game with the Chiefs as well, at that at the end of the game, Josh Allen took that real deep shot to Khalil Shakir and like clear as day, I mean I'm watching the game like, oh Stephon Diggs wide open. I mean, all they gotta get to is this certain yard line, they can kick a field goal and go into overtime, right? And he just like launches it downfield on fourth down and, and then that's the end of the game. Um, and I don't know if Josh Allen almost gets like over too overconfident in his arm. And he's been he's been critiqued for that before, where this guy thinks that he can make or, or, you know, he can make these throws. But, you know, you can't make these types of throws on a consistent basis. So it's like he trusts his arm too much to make these insane throws. And it ends up being bad decision making. And he's been known for that. Right. And I don't know if Stefan Diggs is just not getting put in the situation to make the plays. Because it seemed like a lot of Gabe Davis and Shakir, uh, Khalil Shakir are getting a lot of these shots down the field more often than than Stephon Diggs was, who's more working like the shallow middle of the field. 
And I, I don't know. I, I was trying to look up his target share, um, like the last half of the season, and compared compared to the first half. But it wouldn't surprise me if we saw that his targets dipped a lot. And it sure guys seemed like, like it. And guys like Shakir and Gabe Davis might have increased. Um, and and obviously that wasn't working for the Bills. I know they kind of had a hot streak at the end of the year, but they really didn't look impressive in any of those wins. If you saw, I know people are like, "Oh, the Bills are going into the playoffs on a win streak," and it's like none of them were impressive wins. Like if you really look at it, the Dolphins didn't beat very many good teams. They barely beat the Patriots near the end of the year, and and that's a team they should be beaten by four scores, right? So. I'm going to get Stephon Diggs one more year. I think he's got one more left in the tank. I did hear that he said he wants to stay in Buffalo for another year, so maybe he wants to try and run it back. That's a little bit that that's good news for me that he still has faith in Josh Allen and the organization, and, and he does believe that they have Super Bowl contending a Super Bowl contending roster with him on it. So, um, but he is getting to that age where we we expect a fall off. But I, I think it was more of usage than talent. Let's let's right. look at this right. So week one, 13 targets, 7, 12, 7, 11, 16, 12, 12. That is the first eight weeks. Okay. From there, we have 7, 5, 8. Got back into the double digits, 11, 11, 5, 8, 7, 8. So definitely saw a big dip in target share after week eight. He only hit 10 targets in two of the games. Um, where he hit in six out of the first eight, um, and he had over 100 yards in five out of the first six and never hit 100 again. Uh, He also had uh, the seven target, six reception, 120-yard, three touchdown game in week four, uh, which was three of his eight touchdowns on the season. Um, He only had two touchdowns after that um, week eight game. So, uh, he had a quarter of his touchdowns after week eight. And I would say looking at probably 30% of his targets came after that date. So he dropped off big after week five, eight, five targets for Stefan Diggs in the game is, is that's a problem. I mean, that that's dude should never be getting that dude should never be get, getting below eight to nine targets a game. So, um, I mean, it goes to show they struggled in the playoffs. They couldn't score. They couldn't, barely score against the chiefs. They were barely scoring against bad teams near the end of the year, even though they went on that win streak, but hopefully they, I think uh, they had know- a, in fairness, they had a pretty tough schedule when they went on that run, right? Like they played some pretty good football teams, the Patriots ex- excluded, um, not scoring yeah, we, on the yeah, chiefs. Is a lot of team, a lot of teams have not scored on the chiefs. Ask Baltimore how that goes. That's true. Um, but I don't disagree with what you're saying. And I think, you know, we could do a whole show on this alone is I think if you start peeling back the layers of the bills, offensive onion, you'll see that the, the rush, the rushing percentage probably increases as uh, targets decrease. What I'd really be interested to see is what did Kincaid's and Davis's and Shakir's do while, while Diggs was declining. Cause it didn't seem like, and I guess they're spare parts for lack of a better term in that offense. So that you don't see their decline as rapidly or as noticeably as you would step on Diggs, but I kind of know Stefan Diggs from the Minnesota days, and I can tell by Stefan Diggs' body language when he's not happy. And you can see it in him that he was pissed for about the last five weeks of the season. And he's done the whole, I don't want to be here anymore. He did it in Minnesota. He tried to do it last year. He threw Josh Allen under the bus last year and tried to get out of Buffalo. 
So maybe he's trying a new approach by saying, yeah, it's great here. I think he'll try to reverse psychology so they get rid <laughs> yeah, of him. Maybe. That's but a good he's, idea. he's going to be incredibly hard to get rid of because he's a massive number, right? So um, I think he's back. I, I think that, you know, they've already taken the interim title off of Brady. He is their offensive coordinator going forward. It'll be interesting. The next Sean McDonald's is probably the guy. McDermott, right? Sorry, uh, is the guy that's probably on the hot seat more than anything else. So I don't know. I don't know. Like, I, I think Diggs is back in Buffalo, but a wide receiver where I'm not exactly sure where he's going to go that I think has the ability to bounce back is T. Higgins. Now, T. Higgins is another guy that experienced some injury last season, but when he was playing, for lack of a better term, was brutal. He was, I think he finished as like wide receiver was at 51, but points per game, he was a wide receiver 42. And I know that there was some quarterback challenges in Cincinnati. You had a Joe Burrow that started off hobbled uh, and then ended up missing the rest of the season, but their backup didn't come in and just hand the ball off. Like Browning came in and chucked it all over the yard and put up some solid numbers. Thank you, by the way, for that. And Scott Fishbowl and Jake Browning. Nonetheless, I just, I don't understand what T Higgins is. And, you know, Really liked him coming out of Clemson. Really thought he was a steal as the, as the 32nd overall pick the year that Miami lost their first-round pick. So he, I think he was the first guy picked in the second round. Nonetheless, I thought that was a great pick. Um, that but I don't know man. what's going on. That no, wasn't one. No, Dolphins lost it last year or whatever one. Because the so Bears he was the 33rd pick, pick then. The Bears pick that they traded to Pittsburgh ended up being that Dolphins what would have been the Dolphins pick that they lost, and they took uh, the cornerback uh, Porter. Joey Porter Jr. Oh, yeah, yeah, you're right, because they took the Higgins draft was the Burrow draft. They took Burrow at one and Higgins at the first pick of the second round. So, nonetheless. Yeah, Higgins um, was Claypool, right? And Pittman, weren't all those guys in the same same class? And they all went right there at the front of the second round? Yeah, so I I just think that, you know, wide receiver 28, wide receiver 14 on his resume, uh, wide receiver 18 on his resume, and then wide receiver 51, 42 points per game. So I think it's a pretty clear bounce back candidate. I don't know what the hell happened to him this season. Um, he did manage in a crappy ass season to make a stupid, unbelievable catch to beat my Vikings. Thanks again. Um, but uh, I, I don't I don't know. Like number one, I guess is, you know, we talked a little bit about free agency last week and where, where he goes. I think he goes somewhere. I think the money just needs to leave. Cincinnati he definitely going somewhere. Um, yeah, no, not, no yeah, way. like he's gonna play in the league, right? So right. Um, that's a rather obvious statement. He's not I, I don't know Blackman, right? <laughs> yeah. Oh gosh, I hope not. Um, I don't see him staying with the Bengals, but that's beside the point. I think he bounces back whether he plays for Cincinnati, Cleveland, or the Hamilton Tiger Cats. I don't think it really matters. So, I guess what's wrong with T. Higgins, and does he come back to what we expect him to be, Bryce? I don't know. T. Higgins to me is one of those guys where I've had, I, I have mixed feelings about him. Some weeks I watch him on TV and I'm like, man, this guy could be a team's number one, number one target. And then other weeks I'm like, man, this guy is super inconsistent. The thing I worry about T. Higgins is that he's looked relatively impressive for the Bengals throughout his career. And most people will be like, look at him and be like, he could easily be the team's number one if, you know, if Jamar Chase wasn't there. Maybe. I, I don't know. I worry that T. Higgins could be very Juju Smith Schuster esque, as you mentioned earlier about somebody else, where he might not he might not thrive as the number one target on another team. I don't know if he's talented enough to be able to draw number one corners the entire season and be a consistent fantasy producer. 
I, I do. I, I'm going to throw my eggs in the basket and believe that T. Higgins would thrive more as the second, a team's second option, and and a very involved second option at that. Um, so, like for example, I think like a team like the Jaguars could you or not not necessarily the Jaguars because I guess Calvin Ridley's leaving. But I mean, it, it, even if he did go to the Jaguars, like if he had a split usage with him and Christian Kirk, I think he would thrive in like a role like that. Um, obviously, a team like um, the uh, Browns. I know that D- Deshaun Watson's been recruiting him. I don't know if T. Higgins has his own personal masseuse that Deshaun wants to try out, or how that Yikes. why why he's why why he wants why he wants him there so bad. But like, if you put T. Higgins with Amari Cooper next door, where T. Higgins got the second corner on him the entire the entire time, maybe he would thrive in a role like that. I that he's a guy I worry about, and you know, as a Patriot fan who needs wide receiver, I'm not sure how I would feel about us. Uh, you know, the, our organization you know, targeting a, a guy like him because of the inconsistent play he's had his, his entire career. I know I might be in the minority with this, with this fit right in then. Yeah. Well, yeah, probably, but he'd easily be our number one guy and he'd be force fed the ball because there's nobody else to throw it to right now outside of a slot receiver. But um, I don't know. I, I think he should go to a place that has a still really good quarterback play where he's coming from, but also really good wide receiver play with him to comp- compliment him because I just don't think he's suited to be a team's alpha receiver. What do you think, Rick? I tend to agree. I agree with that. T. Higgins is kind of Mike Williams, right? Yeah, it's a great comp. I mean, they're 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 both big. They both can make crazy plays. They are very inconsistent week to week from a fantasy uh, perspective. I think they do help their teams more, even in those games where they're not like dominant, then they help us obviously in fantasy. Correct. But, uh, but it just reminds me the same, obviously injuries have been a a thing too. missing time. Um, Remind you of anybody else? Mike Williams, maybe. (laughs) Um, In, in, so I agree. I don't think, especially in fantasy, I don't think you want to count on him as your number one receiver. Um, right. He makes a good number two fantasy wide receiver. Um, or, you know, if you're, if you're fortunate, a number three where you're not really concerned uh, with the week to week production. Um, but again, we saw Mike Williams at the beginning of last year before he got hurt, have a nine, 10 week stretch where he was getting 10, 11 targets. And, and, um, you know, I think he was top 12 at that point before he got hurt. And, uh, so I do think there's the potential for stretches like that too. If he has the, the right quarterback, not that he didn't in Cincy, but you also have Jamar chase, um, to, to fend off targets. Um, so that being said, with Joe Burrow's struggles, the backup quarterbacks, more injuries, I do think this was like, I don't want to say floor, um, but this was more of a, a product of all of that not going right for T. Higgins during the 2023 season. So I don't think he's that bad for sure. I think he's more of a, a wide receiver too, both fantasy and and in real life. Yeah, but the thing is with the wide receiver market and Michael Pittman Jr. is going to get locked down and how young he is, he's going to get the opportunity. He's going to get wide receiver one paid and probably get forced to be that use usage as well. I just worry it's going to be like Juju and it's going to be a disappointment for whatever organization takes him. But he could be like Christian Kirk, who also got that money, but 
I think performed way, way higher than anybody expected. So that wouldn't surprise me either. Um, but he's going to, he's going to go somewhere where a team's got a lot of cap and he's going to get the opportunity to probably be that team's number one wide receiver. So we'll see how it pans out. Hopefully he proves us wrong or me, I guess. Yeah. M- most of us wrong. I'm trying to think, I'm trying to think of who has lots of cap and where he could go. He could go to Washington. Well, I was going to say Washington could, they have, sure. I think they have the most cap. And then obviously if you are going to take a quarterback with your, with your first draft pick, you might as well. You might as well get him some more talent at wide receiver. Or you let Gabe Davis walk and you slide him in beside Mr. Happy, Stefan Diggs in Buffalo and let Josh Allen go crazy. They don't have the money for that, I don't believe. Yeah. So I don't know who's uh, got a lot of cap. Bears got some. I know Washington's got some. I know New England's got some. All the top teams got them in the draft too. So that's good for those teams that do maybe be drafting quarterback for sure. I'll tell you, Riba, he'd look good with DJ Moore. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think that'd be but a good Marvin, spot for him too. But Marvin Harrison will look better, so yeah, probably. <laughs> It'll be a lot cheaper. That's good. where. Where is he going to come off the board in the actual draft? In the actual draft, I think he'll be top three. Yeah, but he's not like I've seen stuff where people are talking about him being the first overall pick. That's bonkers, right? Yeah, I don't, I don't think, think so. I think he's the. I think he's the safest play in the entire draft. I think Marvin he, Harrison if you're a, is the. If you're the Bears, well, maybe not the Bears. If you're Atlanta, Washington, who else is like quarterback desperate right now? You can't. Maybe the Vikings. Oh, no, no, no. Maybe the Patriots. I'm talking just because of the Bears situation. Like if they decide they want to stay with Justin Fields and they can't get a package from – because they have to get it in the top three, right? Because he's not going to go Arizona's four and Arizona's not passing on Marvin Harrison Jr. No. But it They're doesn't. It, I just can't imagine. I just can't imagine that they won't get at least some little. I mean, it, even if it's the package they're not, you know, they want. There's no way they just like, like, say New England's like, oh, you know what? We don't. We know you're keeping Justin Fields, and and we're not going to give you a huge package to go up to one. Like they, like I can't imagine you just trade like the one hundred three, and then just even a second rounder or something just to move back because you know you're still getting Marvin Harrison Jr. You, at that I, third pick. My argument would be that you could, you could do that and then one of the other two teams could we see stuff come out of left field all the time right yeah i, mean, I guess so again we saw mitch trubisky not only go over patrick mahomes but over deshaun watson as well right so like <laughs> crazy rough. shit can happen we saw daniel jones at number six nobody's yeah. coming so nope. you can see crazy stuff so i feel like to risk it you have to you have to get paid for that risk to move back um, because what if, yeah, what if Washington says, okay, Caleb Williams is off the board. We're not really dying for Jane Daniels or Drake may they could trade back with somebody or just take Marvin Harrison jr. So those are the risks that you're taking. If you move back to, to the Patriots, if you move just back one to Washington, then I could see taking a, a smaller deal because if Washington's coming back, they're coming, they're coming up for Caleb. Um, yeah. So uh, I could see that, but I think once you go back and Caleb Williams comes off the board right now, looking at it as how everybody views these quarterback prospects, you're taking way more risk because now any team could be like, okay, well, I don't see, like, I don't want to take the Zach Wilson at number two. If, if I'm not happy with them and I'm not in love with them, I'd rather get the guy who is safer in this draft than Marvin Harrison Jr. 
Maybe yeah, Jay I think it's interesting. Maybe a tackle, literally. Like I think it's interesting. If, Notre if, Dame. Maybe Joe. Alt. Yeah, that's maybe, what I said. Maybe. Yeah. 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 Fashano if you from Penn State, maybe. Yeah. There's talk um, that the Patriots are taking one of those guys with their first. That, that would that would that would irritate me so bad. Unless oh, I would lose it if somehow I was got fan. Justin. Unless we somehow got Justin Fields and like signed a wide receiver in the offseason, then that would make sense. Like if they address quarterback and wide receiver. And then they did that, I'd be okay with it. But if they didn't address both of those positions and then got tackle, I'd be like, "What the? What are we doing?" Yeah, like, we I think do need a, tackle bad. We do need tackle bad though, so I can't. You're going to be a legit wide receiver in the second round too. I mean, true. Yeah, true. There's some, this wide receiver is so but, deep. This but, year, but if they if fun. they took all over Marvin Harrison, if Marvin Harrison was there and they took a tackle like a all or something before him, that's when I'd be mad. That's, like if, if Marvin was sure. gone. And we address quarterback, then I'd be okay with it. There's some situations yeah, where I'd be okay. If you have no quarterback and no receivers, the left tackle really doesn't mean that much, right? Yeah, who are you protecting? Nope. <laughs> it's not the same as it's not the same as Cincinnati having T. Higgins right. and picking Joe Burrow and, and picking Burrow Chase and, over Sewell. Right. So, and then we get see, dude. Just to go off topic for a quick second. Go. Was it not super fun watching Detroit put Sewell in motion as a tackle uh, for almost a whole one. quarter? Yeah, and I thought he was going to catch a pass. Like, what they did – Ben Johnson – I love Ben Johnson. He is – he is you never like know what he's going there. to do. I read something that said, like, there's been, like – this. If you look back to 2017, or I don't remember how many years, or like the last four or five years, that there's no, the, none of the teams have the same offensive coordinators. Because if you're good, you always 2021. Get a job. Every yeah, team yeah, has, yeah, that's right. Every every team has changed coordinators since 2021. Yeah, that's why you hire an offensive head coach if you can, right? So you can right. lock in that piece. Like McVeigh isn't jumping ship, or Shanahan isn't jumping ship. But when you have a situation, and a, it's a bad example, but Washington with Dan Quinn is a defensive guy and Kling. Uh, Cliff Kingsbury, if they go lights out and Kling- Kingsbury's a candidate again, then he jumps ship. Like I, I saw that Baker Mayfield will have his seventh different offensive coordinator in seven years this coming season. That's nuts. Like I know Cousins had a different one every year until uh, O'Connell stayed for two years in a row here, but um, I don't know, man. You know, really quickly back to the the draft scenario. I think it's. Draft day malpractice to take a wide receiver with the 101 in a quarterback needy group like this. I get what you're saying. I think the perfect world for Chicago is you trade with Washington because they look hungry. You then you roll into two and then you just let the phone ring at two. And is Atlanta coming? Is New England coming? Like whoever's coming. And then to your point, don't get crazy. Go to three and then go load up on talent, load up on talent, draft talent. So I think that's ultimately probably what the Bears should hope for. But Everything I'm seeing is they're using that first pick. So, we'll uh, yeah, I think a lot of people they don't put trades. Come on, stuff and 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 all of that. So you want them I, obviously, to take Caleb? Yes, <laughs> I want. I want Justin Fields to be available for New England. I want to have some hope. So if you're the Bears and Justin Fields, let's blow this thing out. If you're um, the Bears and you have Justin Fields available on the trade market and you're fielding calls, what's New England giving you that Atlanta can't? The earliest second, an earlier second. Uh, who cares? Like, like I, I think the, pick, the Atlanta has more talent. I don't think Maybe. Atlanta gives up. Who's Atlanta giving up player wise? They could give up uh, 
Drake London, Kyle Pitts. They could give up. Uh, I think they have an, uh, what's they got the, some good old, they got some good old line pieces. They got some good secondary and tackles and the bears are talking about adding an edge rusher. And I think the Falcons have some, some quality there. Um, Plus, teams don't give a shit. They'll give you their 26 and 27 first as well. They want players more draft capital. I guess it just depends on what the, that team wants. But the Bears, the, more. the draft capital, that's the Bears thing. That's what Paul said in his press conference is we're going to build through the draft. And yeah, we're so going New England, to. New England could offer better draft capital. That's what they could offer. That's fair. That's Player wise, I guess Judon could definitely be a guy that if, you could use for a year or two. My thing is if you're only getting a second for fields, then you trade the pick and get multiple firsts down the line and do what you did last year and try to get again, if you trade if you get Washington or New England's first for next year, you're likely picking inside the top six again with that pick if they go with a rookie quarterback. Like that's right. a good point. If you trade it to New England, you could be picking at one again next year. If you trade it to Atlanta, you're probably right. like like Houston, how Houston increased. Prices, why? <laughs> why? Hey, come on. It's just, the, it's just the nature you guys of hire the an OC? You guys hired an OC, right? I can't nope. remember who it is. No. Nope. I thought you did. I don't think so. Let's reel anyway. her back in here. Um, okay. So here's my one question. More. Yeah. Go ahead. Go ahead. No, you go. You have a no, question. I was just going to say, we talked about Higgins. What do you think about Chase? Yeah. Which, you know, he was still good, but not what we're we're used to um if if higgins leaves what does that do for chase nothing i think jamar chase is is a perennial top three wide receiver in the game regardless of who lines up across from him go ahead brace you look locked and loaded i i just think that that jamar chases the dominoes fell all the wrong way for jamar chase this year he was injured or burrow was injured like he didn't. I, how many games did he really get fully healthy with Burrow for fully healthy this season? Fully healthy, then, not many, but they played ten games together. Right, right. And um, his his play his play was inconsistent, and he they were both either both hobbled or one of them were hobbled the entire seat the entire the entirety of their their ten games together. So he's an easy bounce back candidate for me. He's number one. Um, I expect him to be a top three wide receiver going into this next season. I mean, I guess. Fourth time's a charm with the Bengals trying to address the offensive line. Uh, it, can't get, it can't get any worse. And it's not like they haven't tried. It's just the guys they're getting or signing are just missing. Like Orlando Brown did not do very well this year. They tried to get the big tackle That's from Dallas good. the year before. They tried to get the big ta- tackle from Dallas the year before, who was also just dis- came in and was very disappointing. So um, it's not, you know, it's not lack of effort. It's just a lack of production from the guys they're getting. So there's some good veteran offensive tackles that are free agents this upcoming season. Maybe they try again. Uh, I think there's a, m- a couple more surefire guys uh, available for them this upcoming season that might want to get another chance at the Super Bowl. And it seems like that might be the best opportunity and best landing spot for those guys. So look for Jamar Chase to be much better this upcoming season and Burrow to have a little bit more time in the pocket because both of those guys are elite. Yeah, you know, Jamar Chase is arguably one of, like I said, the three best wide receivers in the game, and I'll put Justin Jefferson and CeeDee Lamb in that category, and that's where I'll end it. Uh, the good news for Jamar Chase is Joe Burrow's probably coming back next season. He was wide receiver seven in those ten games that he played with Burrow, and then he cratered with Jake Browning for whatever reason. Um, that just didn't click. So, uh, And then Chase got hurt and, and was dealing with that shoulder ailment and all that other stuff. And the Bengals' offense took 
took a step back in a lot of ways last season. And it wasn't just the Joe Burrow injury. It was, there was some weird play calling going on there. There was some inconsistencies from T Higgins, which we alluded to earlier. Uh, the running game was weird. Like Joe Mixon hasn't been an efficient running back for probably four years, but he still has a ton of volume. So his numbers look good. Is Chase Brown something? Cause he's looked good a little bit later down, the, down the road in the season. But I, I think there's a ton of question marks around Cincinnati, but one that isn't for me is Jamar Chase. I think he is going to be a perennial top NFL and fantasy wide receiver for years to come, regardless of who lines up against them. Yeah. I mean, I, I looked at, you know, looking at the list and I'm thinking, is, is does, does Chase really even count as a bounce back? I agree. So, but, but then I dug in, looked at the numbers. Basically four games were all his fantasy production. <laughs> so out of the 16 that he played, um, about a quarter of them, he, he, five of them he did pretty decent in, but. It was it was four that really made up the big part. He had the um, twelve catch, one hundred forty one yard game in week three. He had the fifteen hundred ninety two and three touchdown game in week five, which is probably I didn't do the math, but probably thirty percent of his whole production for the season, if not more. Yeah. Um, and then he had a ten catch, hundred yard, uh, one touchdown game in week seven. And then an 11 catch, 149, and a touchdown against uh, Jacksonville in week 12. He did have a five for 124 and a touchdown as well. So those five games where he went over a, a hundred yards in each of those um, is literally over half of his total re- receiving yards. Um, and all of those he had... It's almost 60, so 60% of his uh, catches were in those five games. Um, and then, obviously, I think his touchdowns were all in those games. One, two, three, four. Um, all but one. Six of his seven touchdowns were in those five games. So um, five games made up his his work this year, and the rest of the time we were frustrated with, with how – um, he produced. So there, there is bounce back because he's more consistent than that with uh, a healthy Joe Burrow playing Joe yep. Burrow football. So to, to that extent, I think he's absolutely a bounce back. Um, and when we're going to see a more consistent, I mean, the, the targets were very, very inconsistent. We talked about digs getting five and how criminal that was. Um, we saw back to back weeks where chase only got four targets. Um, yeah, those are, is that early in the season? No, that is week 13 and, or, uh, yeah, 13 and 14. Okay. Um, and you know, he only, he caught seven of them, but only had 85 yards, 83 yards. So, um, that's criminal. We're not going to see that with Joe Burrow, especially if Higgins is not around. Uh, you will not right. see chase get less than five, six targets very often at all. So back to back weeks at four is just ridiculous. I agree. And I think, you know, we'll see him he could be up in that 140 ish target range if he's um, without T Higgins. So, and I helped Joe Burrow. So he had 145 this year. Jeez. Really? He caught, yeah, he had 145 targets, caught 100 of them. Exactly. Wow. But again, 180, but again, if you look at these targets in those five games, you've got 15 targets. 19 targets, 13 targets, 12 targets, and 12 targets. So there's 24, 37, 
Um, there you go. 56, 71 of his 145 were in five games. So half of his half of his targets basically in in, in a five game window. Um, he was on track for over 100, or over 210 targets then. Uh, yeah. So maybe he'll have 180 next season then. 146. Yeah. Maybe. maybe. Take the over. I do want to add one. We we yeah. talked about those top wide receivers. Garrett yeah, Wilson. yeah, yeah. I was going to ask you if you had anybody. Garrett Wilson's in that bucket. Just uh, that's all I'm going to say is Garrett Wilson is we'll, in that. Bucket. We'll be talking about we'll be talking about Garrett Wilson here soon. Anyway. Yeah, yeah. So Garrett just, Wilson is um I wanna, he's in a couple of different sandboxes. I left him alone for now, but yeah. But talent wise, we're talking talent wise. I I think he's oh just for the top three. Yeah, that, three I think we both raised our eyebrows and we're thinking the same player. It was, no, like I'm not. I, I'm not, I'm not crazy, but he's talent-wise, no. he's absolutely there. What he's yeah. done he's with what he's five, had in Jets. Ten. Oh, yeah, but I, you can't go into the tier with with guys like JJ Chase. Uh, talent's nothing until you have if, results. If, and, if, and Garrett, he, if Garrett Wilson outperformed, Aaron Rodgers plays a whole year, it would not surprise me to see Garrett Wilson outperform all three of them. It wouldn't days. surprise me to see him be the it wouldn't either. receiver in the entire league next year. Yeah. It wouldn't, and then he, and then then he belongs in that category, but. Until he I does, think he's got the he talent. doesn't. And I'll put him there. That's why I think Brock Bowers is my number yeah. one or two tight end out of all yeah. tight ends. Too. Yeah. I can't go tight end. Sure, if, you anyway, said, if you said proven, proven to battered, be battered, bruised, and sure. wounded. Yeah, if we're talking stats, then absolutely not. But if we're just talking complete skill, I think he's yeah. got every bit of it and what he's done. So let me put you this way: you're starting an NFL organization, and you're and you have to pick a wide receiver, and you have the first pick. Who do you take? If I'm I had the first Jeff- pick, I'm taking I'm Justin taking Jefferson. Jefferson. Yeah. Okay, and then you have the second pick. Who do you take? I'm taking Jamar Chase, personally. And then you have the third pick. Who do you take? I'm probably I'll taking Garrett Wilson. Wilson. I'll take okay. Garrett Wilson over CeeDee Lamb. I'll CD take Lamb, Lamb is a, but that's cool. Lamb's a product of his usage, too. I mean, if Garrett Wilson got that amount of targets, it, I mean, if you replace them, if you replace them. Wait, 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 wait. Not every target is created equal. Let's just right. get that out there right fucking now. Sure. Because a Zach Wilson target is not a Dak No, it's not. Target. But talent, re- talent drives targets, right? To your point, Garrett Wilson is incredibly talented, you, and I do not argue that. If you replaced Garrett Wilson would, and CeeDee Lamb, I, I wouldn't be surprised if Garrett Wilson did everything and, and more than CeeDee Lamb did this year. I'm not there yet. But you guys could be right. Let's, um, I'm just I'm not, not there yet. On. He's about to – we're big on Garrett Wilson. All right, so while he's ruining my takes, I'm going to uh, oh, transition on, us. You, you, you're yeah, right. Yeah, yeah. We, we hired Alex Van Pelt. So I just wanted to make that. Yeah, I knew you hired somebody who didn't really know what he. I forgot. I knew you hired somebody who didn't really know what he was doing. I I just very confusing hire, but we'll see. Maybe maybe he knows something I don't, or like Gerard Mayo, which he probably does. So so. So you guys are gonna run the ball a lot. Yeah. Uh, uh, Tyreek Hill is obviously in that conversation. We didn't even mention Tyreek Hill. He, yeah, yeah. You cannot. Yeah. AJ Brown. AJ Brown is in there too. I just so, from an age perspective, he probably. If, but anyway, if we're talking, uh, you know, well, Devonte Adams too, right? Um, but if well, he said if you're starting target, a franchise, he said he did say if you're starting. Right, right, a true, true, true. So if we're talking targets, maybe Marvin Harrison targets in the skill, right? Um, Garrett Wilson was fourth in the entire league with targets with 168. So. His skill yeah. is his skill is the demanding targets. So um totally CD Lamb, 181. Right. That's it's bonkers. I get it. Um and I think you could make the the same argument for both teams is who the hell else are you gonna throw it to? At least Dak had a couple of options. But uh What are you talking about? Com- <laughs> they brought all Rogers dudes with him. Brees Hall might have been the second leading receiver. Brees Hall might have been the second leading receiver. His receivers the best back part about left. that. 
the, the, right? they're better in Green Bay. The best part of that is everybody bitched and Aaron Rodgers included about the lack of wide receiver talent that he had in Green Bay for the last X number of years. So what did he do? He brought them all with him. And then Made no sense. Left all the left all the good ones back in Green Bay. But yeah, when he got hurt and apologized to Garrett yeah. Wilson, <laughs> that tells you something. Yeah. Like Garrett Wilson was about to have a career, like an insane year. Listen, Hard Knocks, Hard Knocks does a really good job of pumping you up. Like I got pumped up for the Raiders watching Hard Knocks, but yeah, when you watch Hard Knocks and you watch Garrett Wilson and Sauce going toe to toe, it was like, holy crap, these two are unbelievable, yeah. right? Like it was pretty mind numbing. And then when Wilson would get the better of Sauce and vice versa, it was like, holy shit. So yeah, we we better reel right. her back in. We we went all right, there for all right. Bit. Let's let's hand it off to the running back category and one guy that I personally think is poised for quite a bounce back, but I'm not sure you guys will agree, is Najee Harris. So Najee had an inflated rookie season where he finished his RB3. Then he was RB14, probably a little bit more realistic for who he is and what he does. And then Pittsburgh was kind of an offensive shit show this season, and he ended up as as running back 23. I think he was 22 points per game. Rick, I'm going to start with you because I don't think you're necessarily going to agree with me on this one. But I see Najee Harris as a bounce back for a couple of different reasons. Number one, his offensive coordinator is probably going to benefit him. And I think that offense in general will be better next season. So what do you think? Um, we didn't like Bijan's usage. So what are we going to think about Najee? Thank you. That's, That's exactly what I was going to say. Bijan's usage wasn't that bad. It wasn't consistent, we, though. We bitched more about his usage than I remember bitching about anybody outside of Kyle Pitts. <laughs> like there's, there's a common denominator in Atlanta. So I guess my con my, my argument to that would be isn't Najee Harris the Tyler Algier of the Pittsburgh Steelers? Is that well, what you, yeah, you but is that, that really usage? a bounce back? Is that what you, is that what you <laughs> yeah. like no but 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 his he's gonna be the he's gonna be the primary ball carrier is what I'm saying for Pittsburgh. Like I, I know we I, want Jalen Warren to be something, but he's not. I don't, I don't know. I don't know if that's true or not. I still don't think Najee Harris is an efficient runner. He was way better down the stretch. So for, for me, we saw a different Najee at the end of this year than we've ever seen. Right? Like he's never been the dude that he was the last like three or four weeks uh, after they got rid of Canada and then um, started using him and Warren uh, pretty heavily I, I just don't know if without the pass catching, I don't know if he can get back to where he was in 2021. And I don't know that the pass catching is going to come back because I do yeah, think I it's going to be almost a 50 50 with him and Jalen Warren. Um, but again, here's the other thing that we're not factoring in. We saw his production go up when the quarterback production went up in Pittsburgh, when Mason Rudolph took over, right? If yep. they get the quarterback thing figured out, that might change everything. And that might be why we saw Najee be different down the stretch, um, even when he wasn't catching a bunch of balls, right? He was getting more red zone opportunities, scoring more touchdowns, stuff that we hadn't really seen because they hadn't really done it. Plus, they started getting 400 yards in games, which they hadn't done for nine years. Well, um, they realized that. that the middle of the field existed. Right. So um, I, I do see pathways to him being, a, you know, a top six guy next year, but it's it's tough to to uh, to put a. To, to really put much into it um, until we see how. Mr. Arthur Smith runs the offense there in, in Pittsburgh, um, because 
we never know who they're going to utilize and when they're going to utilize them and how much they're going to utilize them. Um, so that is a big question mark for me is that backfield. And do we really want either of those guys going into 2024? Okay. Very valid. Very fair. Bryce. I, I look, I look at it like this. So the get the, the talent gap between Bijan and Tyler Algier is greater than the talent gap between Najee and Jalen Warren. And we saw yes. Algier get more touches than he probably should have with Bijan. Bijan's touches weren't bad. He had like 274 total touches, but if you really look look at it, they weren't consistent. And then the games that, that he was getting more touches, he was he was producing with the with those touches. I think he only had like two games the entire year with over 20 carries. A guy with that talent should be getting more, especially on a team that's a run a major run running team. Um, he's just way more talented, way more explosive. He could take any ball to the house. Um, and Tyler Algier's usage was eating into what could have been Bijan being a top three fantasy back. Uh, it wouldn't have surprised me if he could have somehow competed up there with uh, probably not Christian McCaffrey, too much touchdown upside there, but still he could have easily been the number two by a wide margin, in my opinion, with the, with the talent and usage that he could have gotten. Najee and Jalen yeah. Warren, I don't think are that much different when it comes to overall talent wise. Like, yeah, Najee's a bigger back, probably more useful in the goal line situations, but Jalen Warren is way more explosive. I think he could be way more exciting in the pass game and way more exciting on the outside run game. So, I don't know. I just think that the usage for those two is going to be too evenly split for Najee to be a bounce back candidate for me um, because Jalen Warren just has earned the right to get those touches because he's been extremely efficient with the usage and touches that he's gotten. So that's how I look. Yeah. At it. Those are all incredibly valid. I, I, you know, Arthur Smith is someone that we love to crap on and we don't like, but the reality is, is Arthur Smith is a hundred thousand times the offensive coordinator that Matt Canada is, was, and ever will be, and any of the other guys that they tried to pencil in once they fired Canada. So, you know, you look back, I look I look at Arthur Smith more with the Tennessee body of work and what I see in Pittsburgh is, you know, like if I'm ranking, you know, Tyler Heineke, Desmond Ritter, and holy crap, I can never remember his name, Kenny Pickett, probably putting Pickett on the top of those three, right? So he gets a bit of a quarterback upgrade. It's nothing great. But can Kendrick Pickett be what Ryan Tannehill was in Tennessee and just not turn the ball over and manage the game? Yeah. He's got two good wide receivers. He's got a couple of good tight ends. He's got a couple of good running backs. And they're working on that offensive line. And I think Najee just finds himself in situations where he touches the ball more and he gets more precious touches in the green and the red zones and scores more. So I don't think he's running back three like he was in his rookie season, that was vastly inflated by receptions, in my opinion. But I do see him as a back-end RB1, high-end RB2 versus the RB22, 23 that he was a year ago. So here's my question. If you took Warren, Algier, and, and Najee and had just those three in a bucket, how much is the talent gap between any of those three? Minuscule. Uh, I think Najee's one. Okay, but is how it, big is it a Bijan to Algier? I don't know. I don't want to measure talent it's, gap. It's it's not very big, right? I mean, right. It, like you could probably switch those guys and not really players. blink an eye. No, I think I think um, it depends on how you want to split it up, right? If I'm talking about carrying the football, I'll get I'll take Najee, Algier, and then Warren. And then if I'm talking about catching the football, I'll probably put Warren on top, followed by Najee and Algier. So. Um, <laughs> 
Maybe there isn't much of a gap. I don't know. But Najee Harris to me is the best running back of the three. Okay. Um, Probably. But but the but I don't know I if he's know what the, the he's gap, not Bijan to Algier like Bryce was talking okay. about. Okay. So okay. So let's just take that point right because sure. the, the difference isn't that big, and you would say that with Warren the 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 difference isn't as big, right? Yeah, I agree. Okay. So this year Algier had 186 carries. That is only 18, 28 less than Bijan Robinson. Bijan Robinson had 214 carries to the 186 by Algier. So if their split is that close, I wouldn't be surprised if the Warren and, and Najee's is flipped <laughs> to where Warren's got more carries and opportunities than him. So that was kind of my point is that even – with the big difference between Bijan and Algier, we saw a very small difference in actual like attempts per week. Um, obviously, the targets was different because right. Algier only had twenty three and and um, Bijan had eighty six. So um, so that, that that's obviously a big difference. But Bijan didn't even go for a thousand in his rookie year, and Algier did just the year before. Right. Um, when we were saying yeah. the same thing about Algiers usage versus Cordell Patterson's. Sure. And I think it's load management, right? I think, I think Arthur Smith was probably trying to protect their prize asset and was probably given directions to not give him 400 touches in his rookie season, which a lot of guys would have done. That's yeah, tough well, for me. They, if you're trying to win games and Atlanta yeah, was now you're right not a head coach. To get into the playoffs. And, and yeah. if that's your no plan, one said he's a good coach. save the running back. Well, no, you this is, if, if they told this them, isn't an Arthur Smith bounce back question, this is a Najee Harris. Bounce I know, back. but well, like, right, why would but, you listen to, to plans that soil you, know, like, you, ruin you? Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, and Arthur Smith doesn't look like he listens to ask many Lo- people. Ask Lovey Smith. He he <laughs> says, uh, "No, we're not going to lose this game. If I'm going to lose my job, I'm going to lose it going out with the win." Yeah, and I respect <laughs> that. And, Lovey and Smith. yeah, I, I'm oh, not going to I'm not going to try to defend Arthur Smith because okay. you know, it is what it is. But I guess enough, Najee Harris. How about a running back that's been a top four running back in three of his last four seasons and finishes the RB twenty six, and that is none other than Austin Eckler. Now. Eckler had a little bit of challenges with injury to start the season, and I would argue that he never really fully recovered from it. He combined that with a quarterback that was beaten and battered throughout the whole season and finished the season early. In combination with that, he was with an underperforming offensive coordinator and a head coach that seemed clueless and then soon unemployed. And maybe, maybe just the Bears' new defensive coordinator. That's a whole other story. So, Austin Eckler. 29 years old, talking about retiring, big fantasy football guy, talking about talk of him setting up his career after football. Is he bouncing back or is he walking away? If he plays, I think he bounces back. Um, I think I wherever think. he goes, wherever he plays, they're going to use, they're going to throw the ball to him a lot. That's what we didn't yes. see. There, there was weird stretches where they yes. weren't throwing the ball to him. Um, it didn't make a lot of sense. So if he comes back, you know, obviously a team's giving him, um, you know, he's probably going to get a, a decent contract. It's not going to be, you know, a bajillion dollars, but for running back, it's going to be a decent contract. Um, and whoever brings him in is going to utilize him to catch the ball. Like that's his strength. We've known that since um, yeah. he first broke out. If you're not using him that way, then 
especially yeah. at this point of his career. Obviously, he was a really good goal linebacker. Obviously, all the touchdowns that he had for two years. But that also, you know, probably with with his body type, probably wears on him faster than it does Derrick Henry or one of the other free agents that are out there at, at his age, right? So, um, so yeah, I think I think that he's fine. Now, are we talking top five bounce back? Probably not. I think with uh, some of the other young talent, you know, Brees Hall, if he's healthy, and and Bijan, and and then with your CMCs and stuff, it's going to be hard to get into the top five. Um, Unless those guys yeah. get hurt, which we never want, but um, but back to a top twelve again. We talked about you know we've seen uh, Duke Johnson and and JD McKissick uh, borderline RB one just on pass catching alone. So James I White think he can do that. Yep, I th- I think he can do that if he if he does come back. But uh, good luck to him, no matter what he decides. It would be sad and and. In a couple of my leagues, if he doesn't come back, I would have liked yeah, to move off of him first. But um, Plus I dig him. But yeah, I think as long as he's utilized heavily in the pass game, which I think anybody that brings him in would have that plan at least, you would hope, um, he'll bounce back. Yeah, why would you Why would you bring him in and, and think that he's going to carry a huge workload in the run game when he's never done that his entire career? I don't think the dude's rushed for 1,000 yards a single season his entire career. 915 so. and 9-11 and 9-15 and 21-22. Right, so he's come close, but yet, you know, he hasn't got He's gotten all that work from the past game. I mean, I think he has a little bounce back. I think I, I personally think the days of him being an RB1, even a top 12 running back, are over. Um, I, I, just, I just find it hard to – so I'm going to find it hard to believe that a team will get him and, and give him the same uses that he got when he was, you know, a top five running back or even close to that. I just, I, I mean, I'm trying to think of an organization that could acquire him and do, and utilize him like that. And really the only one that comes front, you know, the top of my mind that, that could be doing that would be like the Texans, um, which, which then I think he could be a top 10 running back again. But I just don't know um, how a team's going to, you know, utilizing a guy like that and, and, and jumping it down constantly um, to him, whether it's screen games or whatever, because he's not going on long passes, right? And he's working a little bit in the middle of the field and, and some swing passes, things like that. Um, I, I, I just don't. I just don't see him getting in a situation where he gets that utilization that he got with the with the Chargers and the opportunity rose for him all the time, right? Like the Chargers had those wide receivers that were constantly getting injured and, and things like that. So he had that opportunity to step up as like a top pass catcher for that team. So um, I just don't see that unique situation being put in for him. I, I see him having still good fantasy value as like more of a running back, a, a higher tier RB2 moving forward if put in the right situation. But I wouldn't be surprised to see him retire. He probably makes a lot of money streaming video games. I know he does that. He uh, He's a talented dude. He, he had – 20 touchdowns in 2021. He had 18 and 22, and he had six last year. And he missed a couple of games, but that's how he gets into the top, you know, right. three, four. I, I think that, you know, there's another place that I think makes a ton of sense for him as as the Jarek McKinnon replace McKinnon replacement in Kansas City. Um, you let Pacheco be the 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 main angry running guy, and you just let Eckler come in. And yeah, but then you don't get those passes. Eckler goal line touchdowns that Rick was mentioning earlier. Pacheco there. Yeah, but I don't think you need him, right? Like, I, I'm not saying he's going to be top one, two, three, four, but if he goes to an offense like the Chiefs and catches eight touchdowns, he's a top 12 running back. He will be because he'll have six, six to 800 yards on the ground and probably close to 800 more in, through the air. Like, it's like, I don't know, unless they had T. Higgins and Gabe Davis and everybody else, 
there's going to be a ton of passes for the guy like that. So we'll see. I, I, I don't think he retires. I sure hope he doesn't retire, mainly because I like the player. Another player I really like who fell on his face in a big, bad way was Damian Pierce. Um, pretty exciting rookie season that ended short due to injury. I think he finished just outside the top 24 as a rookie on a pretty crappy Houston team. So I thought this year with C.J. Stroud and all this other stuff and that he would have a pretty good season. Well, he finished as the RB55, and you're like, oh, he must have been injured. Well, he was RB57 in points per game. So did we see Damian Pierce peak as a rookie and this is it? Or clearly he bounces back from RB55, but what does he bounce back to? Uh, maybe running back 54. Um, really? I, I'm, I've never been a pure sky single Terry's. I think clearly better than him as, as a running back. Um, and I, I think that's where, I mean, I'll tell you what we're talking. We were just talking about Austin Eckler. What if, what if Houston brought in Derek Henry and Austin Eckler and just shorten <laughs> up that backfield and, and gave Stroud that protected running game, um, that would be fun, right? That could be a really fun situation. Um, so not that I think that's going to happen, but I just don't think he's that good. I think we saw, you know, Singletary come in and just completely, uh, take that job from him. I think if they can't get another running back that they probably bring Singletary back and, and, and Damian Pierce at, at best is splitting with him. Um, I just don't see, we're going to see the, think we're going to see the usage. We saw him get his rookie year when there was nobody else in that backfield. I mean, I think they, they were still using, uh, didn't was Burkhead Mm -hmm. used two years ago for them with, with Damian Pierce. Like, I mean, you know, that backfield was, he had a pretty good situation there, um, with that backfield. And I just, I don't think he's a guy. I think he's going to be one of those flash in the pans. Um, and Pacheco is going to be that late round, you know, uh, waiver wire darling from that year that we thought Damian Pierce was going to be. Sure. Yeah, Damian Pierce to me is at best what running back fifty six next year. I think he gets back even further. I, I just don't. <laughs> I don't think he. I, I didn't like him either. And it's hard. It's hard to like a running back that just doesn't have hardly any PPR value. I mean, there's very few sure. that have been successful like that throughout their entire career, and that's really just Derrick Henry when it when it comes to the top of my line. Like, you know, people look at Isaiah Pacheco as a guy, but he catches passes. I mean, right? So he did this season, but he didn't coming into this season, r- right? But I only had one on his resume, but still, that's, that's because J- Jerick McKinnon was there and healthy. And and if you do, if you remember last year, Pacheco wasn't. You know, he came on late in the year, and if you look in the playoffs, I think he caught as many or he got just like as many targets as Jerick McKinnon last year in the in the playoffs. So he was kind of coming along as a pass catcher, and it's been more shirt up this season. But e- either way, Damian Pierce just doesn't have that upside. And and to Rick's point, like I feel like that the Texans, his rookie year, were just giving him the ball so that the clock would run and the games would end faster because they were just so bad. Um, the games, you know, so he was the only person to give the give the ball to. So uh, yeah. let's get this season over with. Let's get our number two. Davis draft. Mills is our quarterback. Yeah. Let's let's get this shit over with, please. Right. It, so Damian uh, Pierce just doesn't have any value to me moving forward. I think he gets buried on the depth chart. I won't be surprised if the Texans are a team that that acquires one of these older free agent running backs and or drafts a guy brings back Singletary. I don't know, but I just don't think Damian Pierce is even going to be their number two option next year. 
Yeah, I'll be adding him almost everywhere. And one of the things I like the most about him is the ability to break tackles and, and how he never quits on a run. And that was clearly evident in college, and that was clearly evident as, as in his rookie season. I don't know what happened to him last he year. And I, could, too. I, could, I could very well be wrong. It happens lots. Um, but if Damian Pierce does not – got to be careful what I say here. If he does not finish a healthy season at better than RB55 – you guys name it, I'll do it. So my question is, how do you go from that rookie year with Davis Mills, no talent on the offense, like everything being shit, and you seemingly performing well to literally everything lines up for a running back with a quarterback, dynamic passing game, like they can't key on you as the running back and you completely shit the bed. That's like, that doesn't make any sense to me. If you've got the skill that should have elevated him from what he was dealing with his rookie year to what he had his second year, which is the b- really, really big concern for me. Um, because you would yeah. have thought that would have with the, with the way that offense went, he would have went with it. Like it doesn't make any sense that he didn't. Um, unless there was some sort of injury that he just wasn't healed from, but I, I, well, I never heard that. And I don't think there was not to him. Um, I think early in the season, I'd have to look, and this is just assumptions that I, I would think that Stroud probably started a little slower and then took off around week five to 10 before he got hurt. So I think there might've been that. Um, I do know that Houston's offensive line was incredibly banged up and hurt early in the season and didn't get healthy until later on. Um, now you also have a regime change, right? And this might not bode well for me is the coach changed, the GM changed, everybody changed. Um, some guys like blondes, some guys like brunettes, right? So, um, maybe Damien Pierce is an asshole. Like, I don't know anything about this stuff, but at the end of the day, Damien Pierce to me is a talented running back. And I think that he gets better than he was. Um, I don't think he's a top 24 running back, but I think he's a nice buy low guy to put on your roster that's land somewhere in that running back three that you can flex once in a while. That's do you know, do you know how many, um, what his average yards per attempt were? Oh, probably under six. four. You said under four. Yeah. What if, what if three. I told you it was under three? I believe you. Cause you're looking at it. 2.87. What was it the year before? He never had a game this season over three and a half yards per rush. Not one single one good game. game, Didn't he? Not one game was, uh, let's see. He had an 81 yard game. That was his best game. eh? Yeah. 24 carries to get there. (laughs) That's a lot of carries. 24 carries, 81 yards, no touchdowns, 3.38 per carry. Um, was his best game of the year. Now he did have a touchdown or two touchdowns, um, but one game, 14 yards for 31, 14 attempts for 31 back-to-back games, 15 for 31, 14 for 31, one touchdown. He actually had more targets than you would have thought. He's trying to get his uh, yards and numbers the same. Yeah. It's, uh, it's tough to see somebody literally not have a single game where they hit single Terry played well. And yeah, and Singletary and, and, was, and, and he did, but it was it was a little bit later. Singletary started extremely slow as well, so you're not wrong. I, I just 
it's a bounce back conversation, and he's not going to be running back fifty five. He's going to bounce back to he's going to bounce back to sixty. <laughs> he's he's this he's is he's a, he's a bounce backwards. Ah, damn it! You beat me to it. <laughs> bounce backwards. Um. Okay, so looking at uh, at our boy Singletary, um, yeah, averaged four point one six. He only had four touchdowns as well. He actually receiving wise didn't get a lot more work than than uh, than Pierce did uh, in his games either. So neither of them really do a bunch of that. Total of fifty targets combined, I think. Um, so yeah, there's uh yeah, I just don't know. I think that's just they're gonna address that position, I think, because you've got I agree. You've got the quarterback now. Now you're just trying to continue building out that offense and and have that solid running game to be able to shut shit down when you when you do have the lead late in games. Yeah, Singletary's free agent as well. So if they're if they're gonna replace somebody on that roster, it's gonna be him. So I think Pierce no reason to get rid of him. Um Unless Bryce is the head coach, so uh, I guess we'll we'll see what happens. But well, they could bring that in, is uh, they could bring 15, in multiple free agents though. Fifteen um, minutes on Damian Pierce. Draft too guy. Long, they could so I'm moving. Draft I'm moving. Too. I'm <laughs> moving from one free agent running back in Singletary to another in Josh Jacobs. Uh, led the NFL in rushing last season, or probably I should say the season before last, because this one is just concluded. And he was running back three in fantasy, and this year he finishes running back twenty eight. Um, he had a massive decline in, in touches and efficiency in a whole bunch of categories. But I do think that he is um, a running back that's going to land in a favorable position. Last week I had him going to Miami when we talked about free agents. I think this is way too good of a, of a running back and too talented of a player to just fade away. So I'll let you guys tell me I'm wrong again and have at her. No, I think you're. I think you're spot on with this one. This is. This seems like an easy bounce back candidate for me. Josh Jacobs, still pr- relatively young, free agent. Um, I, it's going to be interesting to see where he lands. Um, and see what maybe money he demands because I know that was an issue with a lot of these running backs last year, and I believe he was one of the ones that got tagged. Um, yeah. So we'll we'll see, but I mean, I think he could take a lot of usage. He could. He's more than likely going to land on a team with higher touchdown upside than the one he was just on. So, um, yeah, I think he's definitely a bounce back candidate. He was injured a lot this year, which, you know, led the led the way for Zamir White to be productive in his absence, which I think he gonna, he's going to be stepping in as the Raiders number one running back next year because they have so many needs. It doesn't make sense to fill running back, um, in my opinion. So Josh Jacobs might find himself in a decent spot on a contending team that has a lot more touchdown upside moving into 2024. I agree. Yeah, for me, it's 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 for the all these running backs that are free agents this year. It's a benefit to them that the draft isn't as uh, as good as it was for running back as last year was. Right? Yeah. When you have yep. we had two guys going to top twelve, so from a free agent standpoint, people aren't going to be able to find that dude, or they're not going to feel as comfortable that they're going to find that dude um, in the draft as they were last year. So I think that helps him. And, but again, for Jacobs, the, the, the key is landing in a spot that's going to continue doing what, uh, what they've done a little bit more the past two years with him. And that is passing him the ball, throwing him the ball. Right. Um, uh, that helps him from the fantasy perspective, getting, getting some more targets. So hopefully he'll continue getting used like that. We didn't see that early in his career, um, nearly as much. 
Um, so for him to bounce back, I think he just has to find that spot that will utilize him as the, the pass catcher out of the backfield that we've seen him be capable of doing. He has some drops too, but, um, but you know, yeah. So I think that's just the biggest key with Jacobs. Um, uh, cause he's probably not going to be a 300 carry guy anymore either. Has he ever been? Yeah, he was, I think the year that he was number one. Cause even his usage back in college, but he had a hall of fame backfield that he shared with back then. But it's like his touches have been low his entire career. So, yeah, actually. So he got three forty in 2022, uh, 2020, oh, 373. 393 total touches in 22. Yeah. He about so, hit yeah. that. About hit that. Four. Almost I hit that. An he almost hit that him, scary huh? number, right? Yeah. Uh, it was just, just barely, barely below that, and we saw the dip. It keeps coming true whenever people get close to that 400 number. Um, but we're not going to dig into that because we could go. I have the Kyle here. Pitts tattoo of shame. You have the 400 touch badge of honor. It's a little different. Hey, I have shames too, man. Uh, Jalen Hager. Uh, Ken uh, Makers is my shame. Yeah. Cam Akers is another one of mine. Ah, poor guy. Maybe he'll be. Maybe he'll you be know what? for uh, you guys next year, Sully. Or he's not going to play for us next year. He's going to be driving an Uber if he can push the gas pedal down without hurting himself. <laughs> but anyway, um, I think I think that Rick makes a really good point about the running back position this season, and I think that when you look at who's out there as a free agent, this could be a weird, almost reset the running back market kind of offseason because all it takes is two teams to want Austin Eckler or Saquon Barkley or Josh Jacobs or Derrick Henry. Combine that with a little bit lackluster draft class, at least what the pundits say it is. And one guy that might have kick-started it and started to reset the re- running back market before it even reset, or if it has reset at all, is Jonathan Taylor. And Jonathan Taylor had a miserable season last year he was hurt in training camp well it goes back even further previous season he gets hurt still hurt coming into training camp goes on the pup comes off the pup shares with zach moss which i don't understand for multiple weeks then gets the rule and then he gets hurt again and then he's into the off season so long story short he finishes his rb 33 i think this is safe to say this is probably the most obvious running back bounce back candidate that we have yeah, for, for me, Jonathan Taylor is one of the top three t- most talented running backs in the league. Um, it's it's not a question of talent. It's a question of usage and health. And with Anthony Richardson coming back in, we talked about the RPO offenses last week where it would be fun yep. to watch, um, you know, Justin Fields with Derrick Henry or, or Saquon or um, – Jalen hurts with one of those guys. It would be fun to watch Anthony Richardson and Jonathan Taylor in that backfield for an entire season. Um, obviously Richardson only played four games, so they didn't really play a, they didn't play it all together. Did they? I don't think they played it all together because, no. because nope. uh, what Taylor came back week six or seven or something. Yeah. yeah and Richardson um, went down week four. I think. So we haven't even seen them play together. I think they're both going to make each other better. And, and I would not be surprised maybe a little bit surprised just because of what CMC keeps doing and 49ers offense is probably still going to be pretty good next year, but I wouldn't be surprised if Jonathan Taylor ended up the running back one at the end of the season. 
Yeah, there's four guys I think that separate themselves from the rest of the running backs when I, when you really talk about any format, and that's Bijan. Well, I guess you could probably put Jameer Gibbs in there too, but Bijan, Bijan, yeah, yeah, with with the expected usage, you know, these but these other four I think are are easily going to get all the usage, and that's Brees, Bijan. Christian McCaffrey and Jonathan Taylor, right? They're, 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 the, they're the guys that get all the touches. Um, you know, David Montgomery is still going to be involved more than likely next year, especially in goal line in goal line work, even though that's changed. It's not the same as it was with Jamal Williams and DeAndre Swift was. But either of those four guys to me are, are top four assets. Um, you know, the three younger ones being more valuable in a, in a dynasty format. And and honestly, one of the things that I think benefited Jonathan benefits, we're not going to, we didn't see it yet, but I think we'll see it next year. And Anthony Richardson getting hurt probably is going to benefit Jonathan Taylor moving forward, because I think the Colts are going to be a little bit more cautious in his run usage, especially in the goal. Cause that seems like where he was taking all his big hits were right there in the red zone inside the five yard line. Um, when he was just putting his body on line for that touchdown. And I think that they're going to take a more Justin Fields-like approach with Anthony Richardson and give those running backs, give that running back and Jonathan Taylor more of the work inside the 10 and 5-yard line moving forward this upcoming season. It's going to be huge because now defenses are going to have to key on Anthony Richardson because he has that ability to run the ball. Um, and, and we're going to see that that huge production in, in Jonathan Taylor. He's a Huge guy that I'm looking forward to having the biggest bounce back candidate uh, because, you know, he was running back, whatever, 30 something, and he could easily be RB1 next season. It's going to be better than Damian Pierce. I'll say that's, that right that's now. That's for sure. Yeah. I think he could get hurt. My for, biggest concern. He could get hurt I'm glad we're on board weeks. with this. He could be biggest... hurt for 14 weeks and still end up better than Damian Pierce. <laughs> Tap that. Tap that. Plays three what? games and outscores Damian Pierce. <laughs> Tap that tape down, MFers. Um, My only concern with Jonathan Taylor is Anthony Richardson, and it's not a talent thing. It's kind of what Bryce was talking about. Can Anthony Richardson learn to get down and know that he's not Josh Allen? Because in in college, Anthony Richardson just ran over everybody, and I think that was a big of an eye-opener in college. So um, I'll kind of quickly go through a couple of quarterbacks. I'll start with Kyler Murray. I think that Kyler, to me, um, already bounced back in a bit of a way, in a, in a way, coming back from his ACL, there was a ton of concern. Uh, but the reason I put him on this list is, is he finished strong with almost nobody to throw the football to, right? Like uh, Marquise Brown was hurt. Um, thank you, thank you, Trey McBride for stepping up. Um, Michael Wilson, who looks like a decent talent, um, was inconsistent and injured at times. But you know, Marvin Harrison Jr. is a type of guy that could easily go to Arizona. If he doesn't, I think Neighbors does. Like, I think Arizona is clearly going to take a wide receiver with that pick. Um, and Kyler's a way better quarterback than I think a lot of people give him credit for being, especially in the passing game. So, you know, he's been a perennial top 10 quarterback when healthy. I think he bounces back into that range again next year. What about you guys? Yeah. I, I agree. I mean, when you got a mobile quarterback like him who came back from his ACL and looked just as good, if not a little bit better, running the ball. Yeah. Um, yeah. And this team, you know, they got a huge tight end that stepped up with Trey McBride. He was extremely impressive this year. Marquise Brown is also not suited to be a team's number one wide receiver, and that's what he was kind of put in the position to do this year. Um, so that's a tough ask for him, even if he was healthy. Um, they have to address wide receiver. They could be a team that also looks to get a guy like T. Higgins, um, any of these yep. free agent wide receivers that are that are out there this year, prime landing spot. The the Cardinals are one of those teams that could be like one of the bottom of the you know drafting early to potentially drafting in a playoff spot next year. Um, so and and I think Kyler Murray. I used to be down on him 
and you've convinced me, you know, through through Facebook a lot of times and and other discussions. He's your Aaron that, Jones. Yeah, you know, I'm I'm, I'm back. I'm I'm on the I'm on the train. Uh, I've kind of invested in him uh, through his injury this past season, and um uh, and he came back and looked really impressive. So he's a very good bounce back candidate and a team a good enough quarterback to definitely lead this team to the playoffs. Yeah, I I don't have anything to really add. I've I've always liked Kyler Murray. I hated yep. the horizontal offense that Cliff Kingsbury ran there for uh, uh, basically a year and a half with Kyler. You know, with Kyler's injuries and stuff, and then obviously Kingsbury getting getting canned. But um, but yeah, if if he he needs that number one, we've seen him with Hopkins. He was great with Hopkins. He needs that number one that he can rely on. And then I, you know, I agree. Hollywood Brown, I think would be a great number two on a team. He's always been the number one um, basically in, and I think he needs that alpha guy in, on the offense to help him out. Um, so, you know, again, if the bears do go with Caleb Williams, I think Arizona is a, is a spot that we could see Marvin Harrison go to, especially if, one of those offensive tackles goes, you know, number three to the Patriots or something. Um, so I definitely think that, well, I'm just saying if, if I just want, I just, one, sorry, I just want that to happen. I just like if, chaos. Or if it goes Caleb Daniels, then may, or in any order of whatever that is, right. Then, then yep. Marvin Harrison's going to be there and, and Kyler's going to have a new big guy. Now, if you don't want to wait till then, because you're at four and you're not sure Marvin Harrison's going to drop to four, um, you could still take neighbors at four. I don't think that's crazy out of line. I think neighbors is really, really good as well. Um, yeah. Uh, I, yeah, there's a little bit ahead, but uh, I, I don't think there's as much drop off from Marvin Harrison Jr. to neighbors as most people think. Don't get me wrong. Marvin Harrison Jr. is clearly the top guy in this draft, but I don't think it's a off the cliff drop. Marvin, I think, I, it, I think I will, those two are the top guys. I think that when by the time we're done with this draft process, I think people are going to look at Marvin Harrison Jr. as a prospect in the range of the Calvin Johnson's Julio Jones, the really, really uh, top end wide receiver prospects of all time. I think he is going to be considered one of those four. So I yeah. do think there's a pretty big gap. Um, not, I, I don't want to say pretty big, right. But when you, when you get up here to the top echelon, the difference like just this big of a difference can be a huge difference over the course of the sure. career. Um, so uh, I just think the drop from one to two, the three and four is catastrophically larger than it is from one to two. That's all. Yeah. I can't really say because really those three with Odunes are the, really the only ones uh, egg bouquet I was familiar with, but he went back. So he's not going to be in this class. So um, mm-hmm. I don't I, think, I don't think Odunes is, that much different than neighbors either, but um, it's going to be real interesting to see. I, I, I also like Keon Coleman a lot. Um, he's not as fluid as those guys, but we'll see where he, he finished. Either way, Arizona is going to address wide receiver this year. They've got yeah. their yep. tight end. Um, they're probably they could double, going, they're going to double address it. I think they address it in free agency. They and could. Draft. Yeah. They could. They definitely could. could. They can't wait. They're not, in a, they're not in a spot to wait for the draft unless they're planning on trading up for MHJ. 
Um, so I think they have to address it in the offs in the, in the free agency as well. Um, so it'll be interesting to see what they do. They can also do it. They can also do it twice in the first round because don't they they have Houston's first round pick? Well, they they could trade back too. It wouldn't surprise me if they feel like they like, yeah, they're in a good spot. They're in a, they got Houston's first. They could, they could, that could be a good team to watch in a bit here. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, they got right. they got Houston's first from Houston trading up for um, Will Anderson, right? That trade, yeah, was everybody ended up really being a really good trade for Houston because I was. It like, did, and at the, at the time, it, yeah, yeah, but at the time it was like, holy crap, Arizona might have the top two picks in the draft next year, right? Yeah, but like didn't work out that way, but, <laughs> right? Right? Um, yeah, so I think we agree on Kyler. I think we'll agree on the next guy who's also probably a quick conversation. And that's Joe Burrow, injured in. In, in the preseason, which seems like it's what he does every year. Um, struggled to get going, finally got going, and had the weirdest of all season-ending inju- injuries of a long list of quarterbacks that happened this season. Ended up finishing way down at quarterback 25. Um, even if T. Higgins leaves and they don't do anything to that, that position, I think there's enough weapons with Chase and other underlying and supporting cast that Joe Burrow bounces back and you know, he's probably not a top four quarterback, but I think he's a top, comfortably a top eight quarterback. Yeah, with top four, with top four upside, of course. I mean, it's hard to it's hard to be a top five quarterback in fantasy when you don't have a lot of rushing upside, of course. Um, yep. But he he has that ability to be up in that up in that range, nonetheless. Um, yeah, they just got to protect that man. I mean, I don't know what they what they need to do. Whether they try and trade up for the in the draft for one of these top tackles that that fall further than they should just because of the QB and wide receiver talent that's in this draft. Like, I mean, if you, if you take these tackles and put them in last year's draft or, or, or the year before, I should say, like when Kitty Pickett was the first quarterback taken, these, these two tackles are probably top five picks. Right? If you so, didn't have just for that point, if you didn't have Caleb Williams and Marvin Harrison in this draft, you're probably getting people saying that they would take a Joe Alt or a Fashanu at number one yeah, right. um, yeah. in that situation. So you, just to pr- like make your point, like I agree right. with you hundred percent. These guys are already like, some people are saying that these guys will come to the league and be pro bowl at year one. That's how good they, that's how good they yeah, are. They're, they're both it's, really, really it's good. Way easier, and, and, and people don't realize it's way easier to scout offensive linemen than any other position in the NFL. Cause like so much of their scouting is their well, technique. I mean, I bet the Bengals would argue with that. Well, I guess, I guess so. But what, what, what offensive linemen are they really drafting? You know, spending like top, top draft picks on. Like, usually, how many bust first or second offensive linemen are you finding in the in the NFL? Like, very few. Uh, very few. They're very they're, few. They're easier to scout, um, and then they're more surefire. They're the, probably the, the next two surefire things after like after Marvin Harrison Jr. I would, I would guess. I would, I would argue that I would argue with you a hundred percent that those tackles are the, probably the next two safest plays in this draft. Yeah. So whatever team takes them is going to be happy with it. So they, they could be a team that f- gets up there, but Joe Burrow's got to get protected. Like that's his down. That's the downfall. It's not his downfall. It's the downfall that's getting put on him. So as long as they can keep that man protected, even losing T Higgins, it's not really a huge decrease in value because they also could be a team that like Hollywood Brown, I think that'd be a great landing spot for him would be the Bengals and they probably wouldn't have to pay too much money for him as well. So yep. Joe Burrow's an easy one. He's got all the talent. Just got to stay healthy. I agree a hundred percent. Unfortunately for Cincinnati, like if they're, if, if offensive line is really what they want to address, this is a deep offensive line uh, draft as well. So um, you know, there's going to be good 
really good center prospects going late second, third round. Um, left tackles are going to go into the second round, like yeah. high end guys that would be probably first rounders in most drafts. So um, they they can definitely address the offensive line this off season. And if they do that, then I completely agree. If they don't and they lose both Higgins and Tyler Boyd and the, all that continuity that they've built, I think we could see kind of a backwards year um, from what we expect. And and I say that because last year there were reasons why it was, it was a, 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 a bad year for them. Burrow was hurt. Like, like Rob said, coming in, I think even with a fully healthy Burrow and chase next year, if they lose both of those receivers and they can't really find the guy to fit in with, uh, to replace those, um, and they don't get that offensive line figured out, I think it could be another QB 10-ish, 12-ish year because he doesn't have that rushing upside. But if they do, if they do fix that finally, then him and Jamar Chase can do damage just by themselves. All they need is time. If they would have had that little bit of time, they probably win the Super Bowl, right? Um, so it's that's been the difference there in Cincy has been that offensive line. And if they can get that figured out this year, then Joe Burrow will be, he'll be fine and he'll definitely have a bounce back, but there's a lot riding on that and a lot riding on. I don't think they can let Higgins and Boyd go right. Just out of continuity. Like that would mess up your entire passing game. Depends on what they, it depends on how you feel about what's behind them. And I can, I can never remember Andre. Yeah. He looks (laughs) okay. I can't remember his last, how to say his last name. And then there's, uh, there's some guys, but yeah, I, I, I think that I think that they have the ability to address the O line early, and then the depth of the wide receiver position probably helps them out. Um, there's some free agents that are out there. I don't necessarily think Marquise Brown is the answer, but it's not a bad suggestion. Uh, we'll see what happens. There's a ton of free agent wide receivers this year as well. They're all like not elite, but they could they could be Batman to Chase being or Robin to Chase being Batman. Yeah, right? you so, don't have to find yeah. an elite guy. You just need to find <laughs> right. the, the Robin. You're you're find a guy that you can't leave wide open like MVS. And shit, it could be MVS. <laughs> might be MVS. It might be Gabe Davis. Um, guys like that, right? So they're all out there and available. Two more guys I want to talk about. One guy I think is a little bit more of a conversation than the other, and I'll start with that individual, and it's Justin Herbert in Los Angeles. I'm still a believer in Justin Herbert and the talent. He just has to stay healthy. We've got a quite a big change coming uh, to that organization in terms of quarterback play. Mike Williams is probably leaving that organization just due to cap reasons. Um, we'll see what they do with their rather elite draft position. But, you know, Justin Herbert, I think, is still one of the top young quarterbacks in the league, but he finishes quarterback 17 for a bunch of different reasons. Um, broke a bone in his hand, on his non-throwing hand. Um, gets hit more than a pinata some weeks and ended up finishing his season short. So, but he was quarterback 13 in points per game that he did play, which I think is a low bar for him. And I think he bounces back in more to the top six to eight, like Burrow range. How about you guys? Yeah, I would say Justin Herbert is, again, I think he's overrated, but, but, if his coach thinks that JJ McCarthy could be the first off the board in this draft, (laughs) then I can't imagine what he thinks of Justin Herbert. He must think that Justin Herbert could win nine Super Bowls in his career. If that's what he thinks of JJ McCarthy. So 
That being said, if your quarterback has that much faith in you, he's probably going to let you sling it around a little bit. Um, they've got the, uh, you know, wide receivers. Keenan Allen was still really good this year for the most part. Um, you know, he is getting up there, so he could fall off a cliff at any time. Mike Williams is going to be back, which is a huge upgrade over Quentin Johnston oh, as your number two. Um, you got uh, Palmer, who had some nice stretches. So the, the, the weapons are there. We're going to see them probably change a lot of stuff because of the new coaching staff. Harbaugh's going to want to put his stamp on this team. So what we're going to see them do, I'm not sure, but I'm sure they're going to try to do a lot this offseason. Um, so bounce back. Yeah, because he's not going to, he's probably not going to be QB 13, but I do agree. Probably QB eight ish uh, in there, especially. <laughs> maybe even worse maybe it is 10 to 12 range and 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 maybe it's still considered a bounce back because maybe Caleb Williams does come in and and has a rookie year like CJ Stroud or Drake May or um we see some of these other guys obviously Joe Burrow wasn't there because he missed time so maybe he jumps ahead of him um so I think there's a lot of factors in with him, but I mean, I think he's good. I just don't think he's the great quarterback. Everybody thinks he is. So I definitely see a bounce back, but I wouldn't, I wouldn't put him. I don't see very many QB two years in Herbert's um, future. Uh, again, the running, um, but he's going to have to have one of those 40 touchdown passing years to, to, to do that. I think so. Um, I don't think it's high end bounce back, but I do think it's a bounce back. Yeah, I think Justin Herbert has the ability to be every every type of fantasy quarterback that Dak Prescott is. Um, I, I think they're both not the guy for a real organization to to put him over the hump, but they have the arm talent. Um, if you get the right weapons around them, that they can score a lot of fantasy points for you. I, I just question their decision making and, and their ability to to uh, be good in clutch moments, which doesn't really matter for fantasy production. So. Uh, the only concern for me is is what will the talent be around him around him moving into to next season. Um, I, I mean, I'm going to give Quentin Johnson a shot. I'm not, not too not too big on him. Maybe maybe Harbaugh doesn't like him because of what he did to him in the bowl game in the uh, college football playoffs two years ago. So maybe he benches him. I don't for think that. he likes him because he can't catch. I think well, that's probably I mean, part of it. He, he did. He ripped Michigan a new one uh, when they played in that, well, in that uh, college football. He playoffs. ripped anybody a new one other than maybe his future earnings. Well, you know, I can't run and catch at the same time. So some guys struggle their first couple of years is running and catching the ball. We saw it with Devontae Adams and CD Lamb. Maybe maybe uh, he can he can do that. He's got the body type, right? I don't know if I saw CD Lamb struggle CD to Lamb, that. CD Lamb led the league in drops, I believe, his rookie year. Sure, he might, he but he also he also had drops. a shit ton of catches. He might be like second or third in drops right now since he's entered the league. Uh, probably hard to Yeah, but he had 180 targets last year. Yeah, he's probably had 150 and 150 before. Jerry Rice led the league in, in drops a lot. Terrell True. Owens led the league in drops a lot because they got targeted targets. so freaking much. So fair, fair the enough. only way Quentin Johnson and CeeDee Lamb belong in the same conversation is if you're saying these guys are wide receivers. But That's what, the only way. But one thing one thing Quentin Johnson and CeeDee Lamb also have in common is that once Quentin Johnson does they have both the ball first in his rounders. hands. Well, yeah. Once Quentin Johnson does have the ball in his hands, he's pretty electric. We have to give him that. He he did it all in college. Um, he didn't really get a ton of opportunity this year as a rookie. But you know, I try not Gee, to. Look, I wonder why. Too much into rookies. Hey, the hard part is getting the ball in your hands. If but, he only had opportunity, right? Like if Quentin Johnson only had the opportunity of the guy that he was supposedly drafted to replace got hurt maybe early in the season, 
and he could slide right into that position. If that only happened for him, oh wait, it did. Well, it's He's not trash. like any, it's not like anybody and everybody on that team were struggling. Austin Eckler struggled the whole year as well. I mean, Keenan Allen was hit and miss here and there as well, and and I guess whoa, Mike Williams whoa, whoa, whoa. always has been. Keenan Allen wasn't hit and miss until he got hurt. And, I mean, he was and, he, and Herbert he, got hurt. He was missing near the end of the year quite a bit. So yeah, Herbert he was, was the hurt. Wide receiver two he, until he got not, hurt. Yeah. Didn't he hurt his Keenan, non throwing hand? Keenan I'm just Allen. looking at Quentin Johnson's numbers. He's a rookie. Hey, listen, it's okay. We'll, we'll, we'll give him seven targets year. in week. Seven targets in uh, one week. What did he have? Caught five of them for 52 yards. It's not bad, right? Four, so, four, three for four for 91. He didn't, he didn't do as like God awful as we all wanted. Well, you guys wanted him to do, I guess. I don't know. We'll see. Yeah, he did. He, he uh, did He's exactly awful. what I thought he was going to do. He's awful. He, well, He's a he body catcher, as, and you can't be a body dude, catcher in the NFL. When Palmer, when Josh Palmer is blowing up and you're Josh not, Palmer. Josh Palmer's been a great replacement wide receiver for Mike Williams since he's got hurt since he's entered the league. Let's let's get that straight. I think Josh Palmer's underrated. I should put him on my next. Gerald season. Everett was a better pass catching option for the Chargers than QJ. We'll we'll see next year. Okay, you got to build around your young guys, and you didn't draft him in the first round and not gave him more than one year of opportunity, right? So he's going to get the opportunity next year, whether we like it or not. He's probably going to get the opportunity unless you can the entire organization that drafted him first last year. I guess, but you know, maybe Harbaugh wants to make him look good. To so, so he said he got beat by a really, really good wide receiver in the in the college football playoffs. I, I don't think Jim Harbaugh gives a shit about Justin Herbert's going to throw college. the ball to some, Justin Herbert's right. going to have to throw the ball to somebody to look, to put up bounce back Keenan numbers. Okay, well maybe Keenan it's Keenan Allen. Keenan Allen. Keenan Allen's getting old Mike, enough where he's got to be. I do think decrease. Mike Williams. I do Keenan, think Mike Williams is gone. Keenan Allen had 150 targets in 12 games. Yeah. Well, Keenan Allen's production is eventually going to start declining, whether we like it or not. I don't want sure. it to happen, obviously, but no, I do. I do agree with that. But so I think Keenan Allen and, and but I also I think Josh Palmer straws with the whole Jim Harbaugh making trying to make Quentin Johnson. Yeah, that was just a joke. That's better. just a joke. That's just a joke. But quite, the organization drafted him in the first round, nonetheless. I understand Jim Harbaugh wasn't the coach for that, but he's going to get Jalen Rager went in the first round too. Yes, and but, had a better I mean, rookie season. True, but Jalen Rager also Jeez, had a lot really? less talent. Around I don't know. It, it I might need to look. <laughs> I might need to look right that up. It, I need it, to it, look that up. But I have time right now. But I'm going to look that one up for sure. I'm looking it up right now. I'll tell you. I doubt so Jalen Rager, 2020, had 396 yards and one touchdown on 54 targets. He had, what he was, had to beat that. Johnson had to beat that. But Jalen Rager was also the best wide receiver on his team that year. QJ finished with 38 catches on 67 targets for 431 yards. He beat him. Scores. He beat him. There we go. See? So. Um, no. What did Devontae Adams because, do this first year? Well, uh, Rager, was in a first Rager did all that in 11 games. And Quentin did all that in 17 yeah, and Fair. Devontae Adams is, but wasn't a first-round Rager, Rager was on the field all the time compared to Quentin Johnston. There, was, there wasn't veteran presences there. <laughs> There's there a reason for that, though. There. Yeah, well, who was the number two receiver that year for the, In for Philly? the Eagles? Yeah. Oh, it was... Um, who was the number two receiver? Yeah, uh, the guy who got Aguilar. cut by a bunch of... Zach Pascal? Aguilar. Who? Oh, Aguilar. And who was the guy... Who was the guy that was a Packer and a Lion, and it was good? He was like a fantasy stud for three weeks, and then he was gone. That guy, Travis Fulgham. 
Yeah. Yes. There you go. So there's Greg a little Ward. bit less competition. More opportunity for targets, I should say. Okay, so so if Who's we're saying this. Was Hurts a quarterback? Hurts no. was for Raiders last year, not in 2020, though. No, it would have been. So it would have been what? Um, would have been Wentz and Foles combo, probably, or geez. something like that. Um, yeah, that's neither here nor there. Quentin Johnston should not have had competition. He should have been fine. He got more targets than Rager got in his rookie year. Um, but it's, it's, I just, Quentin Johnston ain't the guy. Justin Herbert's going to need some more help if they don't have Mike Williams. And with Keenan Allen, you know, with his age, if he regresses, um, Justin Herbert's going to need a number one wide receiver. They're going to need a running back to establish a run game. First off, they're going to have to establish a run game. That's going to be probably the number one, especially if he's getting. But that's what Jim Harbaugh does better than anything, right? Like that's the one knock that maybe you can put on Herbert is that, you know, there's talk of Greg Roman potentially being Harbaugh's OC. That ain't great. Um, But you look at what he's done with the running game, what he did in San Francisco right out of the gate with the running game, right? Like right. Harbaugh wins and he wins by controlling the football and controlling the clock. And he's done that everywhere he's been. So uh, yeah, I think that's potentially a knock is, you know, Herbert's probably not thrown for 5,000 yards, right? But there's all, I'm just pulling up last week's sheet of looking at free agent wide receivers that could go there. Calvin Ridley could go there. Marquise Brown could go there. Gabe Davis, Curtis Samuel, Tyler Boyd, all guys that will help. Um, and wouldn't break the bank. I don't think the other guys that we talked about, like Mike Evans or Michael Pittman, are going anywhere. So, or at least not there. So, we'll see. I got, I got one more guy, and then I'll stop hammering on all this bounce back stuff. And that guy still has a game to play. So, um, that's Patrick Mahomes. And normally, you wouldn't think of Patrick Mahomes needing to bounce back. That he's arguably one of the best guys out there all the time. But the reality is, is he had a pretty lackluster season in general this year. And that team kind of won with the defense, kind of won with the running game. Um, I think you finished as quarterback 12 or 13 in points per game in fantasy, which is unlike him, who was, I think it was a QB one last year and the QB four, the couple of years before that might be a stupid question, but Patrick Mahomes bounce back. Yeah. I'll let Bryce go on this one. Yeah, um, he was la- he was lackluster. I mean, they had the number three seed, right? I mean, it's not. I don't think it's it's crazy to say that he had a lackluster year when when that team's expected to be the number one, and they end up being the number three seed in the in the uh, NFL playoffs. And and he he and Travis Kelsey were pretty disappointing throughout the the entire regular season year, outside of a couple of yeah. weeks here and there. But um, I, I'll say that they're going to be. He's going to have a bounce back year for. A couple of reasons. The main one is the wide receiver position, and I don't necessarily think they have to go out and get a top dog. I think Rasheed Rice is stepping up to be that guy. I mean, what do you expect out of a rookie wide receiver, right, walking into this, especially when you drafted what – was he a late first-round pick or was he a second-round pick? Second. second. He was second. a second-round pick, and he's stepping up very nicely as this team's number one. He's had multiple weeks with over 100 yards. He's, he's going into the playoffs playing as a true – I mean, he's putting up performances of a true alpha – number one wide receiver for them. Uh, I think he's, wil- he's wilted a little bit in the playoffs. Has he? I think he just had a huge week. I mean, he just, he just went, did he not go nuts this last week? I don't know. You keep, you keep talking. I'll, he I'll he had, he might've had, might not have found the end zone, but I think he had quite a, quite a few catches. And I think he did find yards. the end zone, right? I, I don't know if he did this past week. He might've, I know Kelsey did. And I thought Pacheco did. 
I don't know if they scored more no, than 17 he didn't. points. He had eight receptions for 46 yards this Oh, uh, okay. Week. What about what about we, we what about against the Bills? Buffalo was just four for 47. Okay, so maybe Kelsey. Okay, it's Kelsey in the playoffs, it is, right? It, Kelsey's it, gone it, crazy. It's been, and it's been Rasheed Rice throughout the regular part of the season. Yep. But he's like, he's literally caught the 12 of his 13 targets, though. He's the right. most reliable receiver. Um, right. For sure. I, I would challenge that he's a number one wide receiver. I think he falls in line more like the conversations we had about Marquise Brown and T. Higgins. Fair. But nonetheless, he's stepped up and performed incredibly right, right, well right for Kansas City when they needed him most. Right now, he's falling in that category. But I mean, if he's falling in it right now, he could easily be. He has a, to. A, he could easily be in a in a number one wide receiver conversation the following year if he keeps progressing in this offense, which he's done. When you see a guy that starts off slow and he's just getting better and getting better and getting better and getting better, that's a really good news. Yeah. Hopefully, it rolls into the next season and he can continue that that pathway and maybe the 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 Chiefs just find themselves in a situation where they just need to find a number two wide receiver because that's really what it's been for them this year right they haven't had two wide receivers step up I feel like Rasheed Rice especially the second half of the season has done his part and has done his thing it's guys like Marquez Valdez Scantling Justin Watson and it's you know it's not their fault they're not really suited to step up in that position they seem like they're wide receiver three guys anyway so they need a second option outside of Kelsey or I'm te- I mean I guess I'd say a third option outside of Rasheed Rice Rasheed Rice and, Tra- and aging Travis Kelsey. Um, so with with that being said, it seems like they're starting to put it all together. We're seeing it here in the playoffs. We saw it kind of near the end of the season. Um, so we'll, I, I think that Pat Mahomes comes back into the next year, back as like a, a more consistent fantasy producer. Yeah, you know, going back to Rasheed Rice, I it's hard for me not to think he doesn't have the potential to be a, a true number one you know, 102 targets in his rookie year for 79 receptions and 938 yards. He is a red zone threat, seven touchdowns. Um, And, you know, going through the first 10 weeks, he only had two weeks with more than five targets. Um, And then you, you see him hit that Raiders game and then it's 10, nine, 10, nine, 12, six, 12, four in that Buffalo game. And then nine again last week. So, it's the progression you want to see from a rookie wide receiver um, during their rookie season is, you know, obviously yep. starts out a little bit slow. And then as the season goes, it just progressively gets better. Um, so it's hard for me not to see the potential for him to continue um, on that path going into next year. Um, when over half of his targets were probably in the last six regular season games. So I, for me though, it's, where is the Kansas city team at? Because Patrick Mahomes is going to adapt to however that year's teams built, right? That's what we're finding out about Patrick Mahomes right now is that he is going to adapt to whatever weapons he has. And we've seen him go from a quarterback that was throwing deep a lot to a quarterback that is in the bottom uh, five in the entire NFL in average yards per attempt. And, and he's just going to do whatever it is that's best for the chiefs. And, and he's good enough to adapt to any of those situations. So from an NFL standpoint, I think he's just gonna be great every year. It's just going to depend on year to year, what they need from him to take that offense to where they need to go. 
obviously, if we think Rasheed Rice is even going to progress, even if he's not the number one, but if he is, if he just just does what he did in the second half of this year, then that's going to help Mahomes to have that for a full season when you didn't have that at all for the first 10, 12 weeks of the year. And so he really took that jump. So, uh, you know, there's no question. Patrick Mahomes, best quarterback in the league. Anybody, any one of us, if we were starting our franchise, um, the first guy that we would pick is Patrick Mahomes, I would have to assume. I don't think any of us are going in a different direction. So, um, Real real quick, dynasty-wise, where will you rank him right now? I still think he's the the number one quarterback in in dynasty, but I can see arguments for Josh Allen, um, Lamar, and that's about it. And and that's because both those run. I think you're going to get more consistent production from Mahomes for a longer period of time. So I may like next year. I may want Josh Allen more just because of how. Kansas City's constructed it that year. But if if Rasheed Rice ends up turning into the next Tyree Kill, then we're seeing probably a Mahomes that can go for the 5,500 yards again with 45 yeah. touchdowns and, and all of that. So I think it just cool. matters how the Chiefs are built. They're built to win every year because they've got Mahomes. It's just how can that translate into offensive passing production um, from season to season? Which leads us into the big game. It's Super Bowl. It's hard to believe that this year is going to be coming to an end. Um, I don't have any specific points. I just figured might as well talk about the Super Bowl a little bit, get some picks in. Who's going to thrive? You got any guys you think are going to score that touchdown? And um, and for any of the betting stuff or or just who do you think wins? Who First off, let's just start there. Bryce, who wins the Super Bowl? You're muted. Mute. Still muted. I, I think the Chiefs win by no, at least not. two scores. Wow. Just, wow. Yeah. So, like, if you look look at the look at the the Niners' path to the Super Bowl, they arguably played the weakest defenses in the playoffs. Uh, the Packers' defense wasn't very good, and then the Lions' defense was probably the worst. I mean, they were letting 300 plus yards to every single quarterback they were playing against, essentially. Um, and it's going to be a, te- and I think the chiefs had the opposite. Well, well, not the opposite, but they played probably arguably a top three defense with the Ravens last week. And, you know, their offense didn't put up a crazy amount of points, but they're now they're, they got acclimated to playing against a tough defense where I think the Niners are going to struggle going against a really tough defense in the play in in that playoffs. And then experience is another thing. I mean, the chiefs whole roster essentially outside of like Rasheed Rice has as now play playoff and Super Bowl experience. Um, so I'll, I'll take that. I, I always take the better quarterback. And then when you, well, I usually take the better defense. And now when you compile the better quarterback and the better defense, um, I think they, they take this game rather easily. I think it might, might surprise people a little bit, but you know, they, the old saying is defense wins championships. And I know the Niners got themselves a good defense as well, but I think the chiefs defense this year is art. Eh, I don't, it's, I mean, it's arguably the best defense in the NFL. Well, I looked at the end of the, we were talking about just Mahomes and that whole situation. You know, they, the bears averaged as many points as the, the chiefs did pretty much for the, for the year this year. Um, the difference is the chiefs, and this was with a couple games ago, we're averaging giving up like 17 points per game. 
So mm-hmm. when you talk about their defense, their defense is really fucking good. It, it, it definitely is. So their defense can play with anybody for sure. Yep. I think last week we watched the Baltimore Ravens defense play arguably the best half of football I've ever seen in my life. And the Ravens still couldn't come back and win that football game. So, and that speaks to the Chiefs defense, in my opinion, is Patrick Mahomes may have lost Tyreek Hill and he may have lost elite Ty, uh, Travis Kelsey, but he's never had a defense like this before. And I think that is ultimately why Kansas City is going to win this football game. I do not think that Kansas City win by, will win by multiple scores because I don't think they can put up enough points on San Francisco to do that. I still think Brock Purdy is functional. I still think that, you know, it's funny to me that Patrick Mahomes is likely, in my opinion, going to win the Super Bowl with the second best offense on the field in that game. Like the San Francisco 49ers have a much better offense, in my opinion, than the Kansas City Chiefs. I think experience, to your point, is a huge call. And I think it's Andy Reid versus Kyle Shanahan. Kyle Shanahan still has that monkey on his back where he pees down his legs at the biggest times. He's the offensive coordinator of 28-3. to Um, He could have kneeled the ball down for the last six possessions and won the Super Bowl, but they didn't. So, nonetheless, um, I just think it's a close game. I think Kansas City prevails because Kansas City typically does. And I I really feel bad for Taylor Swift. She's been a fan of the game for a long time, but she's never seen her team win the championship. So, I hope she... I hope she's rewarded and sees her team. Is she a Chiefs fan? Um, like, hmm. No, apparently she was. Now, but I, so I was going to say she, she is now. I think it was a Jets or a Giants fan. I think what, what she was, but yeah, clearly she is now. Right. So. Yeah. Yeah. She definitely is now. Yeah. I I'm going to go with the 49ers and part of it is for one, it's just hard to win back to back. We know that even, even the Patriots that um, won six of them, did were any of them back to back? Two of them. Yeah. Two of them two of, were. Two of them were back to back, I believe. I thought. I thought there. Were, I thought there was only one. Like, Maybe there's only one time they got back to back. I thought. No, I think. I know, the Chiefs I know are doing things sure. even the Patriots. I know one for sure because they were almost. They almost went three in a row. They went. They went. The they Chiefs are doing things that even the Patriots aren't didn't do though, right? Like the Chiefs have gone to six straight AFC Championship games. I don't think the Patriots ever did that. Like they're in the Super Bowl for what the fourth time in five years. Like, yeah, there's three. There's three other teams that have done four Super Bowls in five years, and that was Patriots the Bills. Definitely did it. Once, Patriots and um, yeah, who else? There was somebody else. It might have been. Did Dallas do it in the '90s? They won. Yeah, three. yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, You're I right. Think they went to four out of five years. I don't think too. anybody's gone to six um, league championship games. I, in they a row they, they went back to back once. Oh three and oh four. That's right. And then they yep. went. 14, 16, 18. Yeah, they so took, take, took a break. 4, 14, 16, yeah, 18. Yeah, you get a little tired of having well, those parades all the time. Right, but it, so it, it's just real hard to go back-to-back back in the NFL to begin with, and we already right. saw that, right? He already it's lost. It's hard to the, make the playoffs two years in a row. Right. Um, so I, I'm going to go with the 49ers, but again, I do think their offense is – their offense is different than a lot that Kansas city has completely dominated because they can go a lot of different ways. They can run the ball on you. They can use the running back out of the backfield as a pass catcher. They've got an elite tight end that you have to pay attention to because he can beat you for 65 yards um, on any given play. They've got two wide receivers that uh, one is the more traditional style that I think is one of the most underrated wide receivers in the league and Brandon, I and then you've got, you know, Debo that can beat you out of the backfield in the short passing game or beat you deep. Like they, not many teams in the NFL currently are built that way. They, Mm -hmm. that can beat you in a multitude of ways. Plus 
their defense is probably at least as good, close to as good as yours. Um, and your offense isn't as good. So I think 49ers are just the better team. I think those situations that we've seen, um, for Kyle Shanahan that you talked about, I think those all help coaches in the playoffs, just like Dan Campbell is going to be helped by that situation that Detroit had last week um, in, in the future. If, I mean, if you're a good coach and you're learning stuff and I like to think Kyle Shanahan's a pretty good coach in the NFL. So I think he, he's going to learn from those situations. And I think this is the one that gets, uh, gets him over the the hump. And, uh, and while it's going to be, we're going to hear a lot of these arguments about Brock Purdy and game manager and, you know, all the shit we heard about, you know, we talked about it last week, Tom Brady early in his career when he got his first couple and everybody said, Oh, it's just product of the system. That's fucking fine. same thing. That's fucking fine. If you win, you win. And if you have that Super Bowl ring, congrats, can, congr- yeah. congratulations to you. Right. So yeah. um, that's where I'm at. I think I, I'm going to take, uh, I think I'm going to take Iuke and rice uh, as TD scores, I think both of those guys are going to get in the end zone in the Super Bowl. Um, yeah, you imagine you guys the middle guys- middle of the field is going to be hard for Travis Kelsey to succeed succeed in because that's definitely where the di- Niners defense excels with the two linebackers. Um, so I like I like that. I like Ayuk and I like uh, I like Rasheed Rice. Um, CMC is too easy to pick. He just scores yeah, and, and you know, I, I mean, th- honestly, a ton either. one of the biggest factors for the Chiefs on their success is going to be how Chris Jones plays because if he can dominate the middle and create pressure up the middle, that's that's going to be you know that's going to be the biggest factor on not only keeping that run game at bay, but like Brock Purdy not not being able to let Brock Purdy step up in the playoffs. We saw that they neutralized essentially neutralized Aiden Hutchinson, which, you know, there was no prep Brock Purdy had like no pressure that entire game. And, and he was able to pick apart a defense, any, any professional quarterback with no pressure should be able to, should be able to pick apart any defense that they play. And I just don't think that that's going to happen with the, with the chiefs. So I'm, I'm nervous on taking, it's, it's hard to take touchdown scores against two good defenses. Right. So that's what I'm nervous about, but I like Rasheed Rice the most out of all of them. I, I, I think that Bryce is bang on on the pass rush, and I think you could say the same thing for both sides of the football. Where the Niners' defense gets really good, it's when Bosa can get home, and, and if Chase Young can get home. If those guys can get to the quarterback, we saw, what Tampa did to pa- we saw what Tampa did to, to Patrick Mahomes when they couldn't stop the pass rush, right? Yeah. Like, I don't care who you are, yep. you're, you're going to struggle. We saw the reason why the Patriots didn't have more back to back is because of the pass rush that the Giants had Correct. the two times that they lost to them. There Not you go. So I don't care who you are. If you don't have time to throw the yeah. football, you don't have time to throw the football. EP, um, but I think it's is it Juwan Taylor, that right tackle that likes to line up as far back as he can for the Chiefs? Yeah. I think Bosa might eat him for breakfast. So it, the Niners defense is totally different. If those guys can't get home, their secondary is incredibly average. And I don't think. You know, obviously Greenlaw and guys like that in the on the in the linebacking corps are elite, but uh, yeah. they got to have the pass rush to win. So if Mahomes can escape that or can deal with that, I think they win. And and Patrick Mahomes is Tom Brady esque. These guys just find a way to win, and I just think that's what happens. But I, yeah. I I'm not surprised if either team wins this. I'm I'm a little annoyed that Detroit didn't hold on because I'd have had so much more fun cheering for the Lions. Then cheering for either one of these two teams, yeah. I don't like week one. Week one rematch too, where the Lions won. That'd have been yeah, more, that'd have been fun. More, more yeah, a little fun. full circle thing. Yeah, I, I I don't disagree with you guys. My thing is the the problem. If we're gonna say 
we're a little bit worried about Travis Kelsey because of Bobby Wagner and Greenlaw and, mm-hmm. and the linebacking core. Then if, if that front is getting home on Mahomes, it makes it a lot harder because he doesn't have that guy to go to. If Kelsey is, is covered up by those guys. Um, yeah. And then you've got, you, then you, then you are relying solely on Rasheed Rice um, basically in the past game. Right. Um, well, right. But I just meant like the, the, no, no, the I understand what and whatnot, but so, so I that's, again, I think that pass rush and everything goes like you said to both sides and, and it could be tough for both. If Patrick Mahomes, if they switch spots and you were talking about pressure coming to Mahomes and I knew he had Kittle or Debo or Ayuk or CMC, that's an entirely different thing. That's the benefit that Brock Purdy has that, that Patrick Mahomes doesn't have at this current time. Um, even though the skill gap is, is huge between Mahomes and, and Purdy, um, the skill gap and in, in talent around them on the offense also seems to be a pretty, pretty drastic difference on the other side of the, 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 the coin there. I think I like a Kyle use check anytime touchdown. Just feels like that kind of game. That'd be fun. Probably pay pretty well too. Yeah. And I like Mahomes as the MVP, you know, like if I think the chiefs are going to win, I think I would rather bet um, Mahomes is MVP like line Chris, than I the chiefs like money. Jones is MVP. What that is, could, I, I don't know when the last time I don't know what the last time a defensive player won MVP. Bryce but I Seahawks. Like yeah, yeah, Not probably. Bobby Wagner. Who was that? Um, uh, who was that guy? Shoot, I can't remember. The, the Legion think, of Boom had so many dudes. On it wasn't even yeah, like one of like, the, it wasn't even like a main guy in that in that defense. Like he was a good player, but he wasn't like considered like in think, the in that top four. He wasn't. He was a linebacker, an outside linebacker. And then after the game, that that person did the nine nine eleven C was perpetrated by, perpetrated by our government. <laughs> Remember that after after <laughs> I, we, I don't know about all that. Let's not get into conspiracies. It was on, like on it was our, like it was podcast. like it was it was a it was like his post game speech and like someone just interrupted his post game speech of him get after he got in MVP or whatever. <laughs> what was that guy's name? Um, I don't remember uh, who that is, but uh, I want to know what CMC's is. For what? Anytime? 40, 40, no, no, no. For MVP. MVP? What, what I'm trying are. to find this, some odds here. Because I could also see CMC multiple touchdowns, 180 all-purpose yards, and just having an awesome game and winning MVP if 49ers win. Especially if it's like a 21 to 17 or something. Um, and he scores two of the touchdowns and Purdy was only, you know, 200 for one touchdown or something. Then I, Mal- I could see CMC Malcolm Smith that. was the last defensive play. That's who it was. Malcolm Smith for Seattle linebacker. Uh, I, I Malcolm Butler, but I, and since Malcolm then Dexter Smith. Jackson for Tampa Bay. <laughs> Mahomes but. is plus one twenty five. Purdy's plus two twenty five. Oh. McCaffrey's yeah. plus four seventy five. Von, Von Miller got it. That ain't bad. 50. Von Miller got, and then it jumps to Kelsey at twelve hundred, Debo at two, Pacheco twenty eight, Raji Rice. I think he's going to score a plus five thousand. It's fun. Yeah, that's not bad at all for for Rice. Um, Nick Bosa plus seven seventy five hundred. What's Chris Jones? He's not even on the list. Man, that's mean. That. 
All right. So we've got, uh, so I, I'm going to call CMC for MVP. You called uh, Mahomes over there. Who are you calling? Are you calling Chris Jones? I'll just be, I'll just be out of the, yeah. I'll, I'll just say Chris Jones just to be fun. Just, okay. just to be fun. No, I mean, I, easy, I the, easy, the easy answer is Mahomes, right, or Purdy, but I'll take I'll take Chris Jones. I'll say it's a big defensive game, and he has a couple of sacks that that maybe a game, both maybe potential game changing sacks. I mean, if Purdy puts up three hundred passing yards and two touchdowns against the Chiefs it. in the Super yeah. Bowl, I think he definitely deserves it. Um, and, he de- yeah. he, and that game manager title's got to be stripped. At, at that's the well, they won't. You, they'll what? never that'll never be gone. It, they, that didn't end for Brady until he got his seventh Super Bowl with Tampa. That's, that's you don't have to be a good quarterback to win the Super Bowl either. Well, correct, Trent Dilfer. Well, you can make an argument that Flacco got hot at Flacco? the right time. You can make an argument that Eli Manning wasn't the greatest quarterback, Nick. like Nick Foles, right? So that, but I, I think that. I'd be stunned if Purdy puts up 300 on this defense. And if he does, give him the MVP and right, call him whatever you want. That's why I'm saying that because right? I don't think it happens. Um, it's going to be a fun matchup game. I think Snead and Ayuk probably see a lot of each other. Um, you know, your, your point about Wagner and Greenlaw and McKelsey, like that. that like there's going to be a lot of, lot of fun game inside the game stuff. Um, we'll see. Shanahan's been historically a horrible adjuster 